Yeah, you sound good. Okay, cool. I'm excited. I'm excited. I had my call with Jan, and he said my audio sounded good, so okay, we're okay. I okay. Can I ask you a question? Um, yeah. Did you do any major changes? Mm, no, I didn't do anything crazy. Um, I mean, he said that there's still that like buzzing underlying sound, but we've pretty much figured out that's from all the airports in the area. So I haven't done anything. And yeah, NORAD. <laughs> yeah, and NORAD. I haven't done anything crazy, but I just moved the mic further away. So is my theory about you're just becoming a bit of an audiophile? <laughs> It's probably accurate. It's probably accurate. (laughs) Although Jan admitted, he was like, your audio is good. It's not bad. He was like, there's always room for improvement. And I was like, aha. Uh, (laughs) But see, this is... I knew it. Are you familiar with like the concept of audiophiles? And like... No, not really until you accused me of this. (laughs) Okay, so it's like this running joke. I feel like in certain like internet-y crowds where... You know, like some music services don't do the like high res sound and like no one notices except this like one particular genre of a person <laughs> who is like, mm, see, the bass just could be like a little bit more sharp here. And like this just totally ruins the song for me. I like it. <laughs> Maybe me. <laughs> and I just think especially because of your weird producer role now on the Buffer podcast. I think your ear is just oh so gosh. highly trained at this point that you're becoming a bit uh, of an audiophile. It probably is. I'm also that person that if I start listening to a podcast and the audio quality is terrible, I stop listening to the podcast. Yeah, I also just think it's it's one thing if you're listening in the car or something, I feel like tolerating the like not the best audio quality is manageable, but when it's headphones and yeah people's audio like suddenly spikes or suddenly something goes really loud. I, I just, I don't know. I haven't like read studies, about it, but I, I worry that that can be like damaging to the ear. So I feel like it's almost like a health, <laughs> like a health factor <laughs> to, um, yeah, at least try if people can. Yeah. So it sounds like maybe you're becoming a little bit of an audiophile also. Oh, see, Okay, I'm very specific about a few different things. A lot of different things. <laughs> and then there are like these realms. And I feel like my personality, like I could become that kind of person. But I very, very, <laughs> I'm like, let's not go there. <laughs> this the cliff, potential is there. <laughs> this cliff I could dive off on. Like, no, you would have no friends <laughs> left in the world because like the picky picky details which is like overwhelm oh my goodness yeah you see why i thought you might be a little bit of a type one <laughs> yes oh my god i don't think we've ever gotten as much feedback from this show as we did after last episode my twitter was like just there was nothing but like desserts and Enneagram types on my timeline uh, for like two days. <laughs> the dream. It was incredible. Thank you to everyone for being so on board with this. We were, yeah, we were very excited about how excited everyone was about Enneagram. I was like, oh my God, I I did not <laughs> anticipate people would get so into it and so excited but and not just on the on the Twitter, but also like people in my life 
Granted, maybe <laughs> I've been the one <laughs> bringing this <Yeah>. up. <laughs> I think my favorite part has been how excited you have gotten. But the best part is that you've gotten more excited over <laughs> and like over time. So we did the test and that was exciting. And like the next day or two was exciting. And that was great. And then we we sort of recorded the episode and that was very exciting and you got more interested and that was good. And then we released the episode and like now Happy is sending me Enneagram things constantly and it is incredible. And she's tuning into like Instagram lives with the Enneagram and coffee Instagram account that we love. And yeah, I was like, okay, wow, this is like, whoo, this is exciting. And now I can have all these conversations with you that I've wanted to have where I can joke and be like, oh, that's kind of type one. And you know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah, that's so funny. And But I, I think like, I, I think I have to learn how to bring it up with people because I end up talking <laughs> too much about it that people like get too excited and then they want to like figure out what type they are. But then I've already biased them and I've already totally ruined it for them. And I have like at least two or three friends where I'm like, I'm sorry, man, I totally ruined this for you. <laughs> like, I don't know. Oh my gosh. So I actually You're have- too enthusiastic about it, would you say, I, as <laughs> a type seven? <laughs> I feel like I don't get a lot of Haley puns in my life, but I appreciate this one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I feel like there's two friends who kind of like gotten too excited and are all over the place. And now I'm like, I may need to have you like go into your internet history and find the questions you used on me so I can like pass them on to the people in my life. But you got the Enneagram Made Easy book, right? Yeah, but uh, I did. That one's, and, that one's better. So I've used that one on more people, and I wish um, I, I had such a small carry-on in New York and I didn't have room for it, but I wish I could have brought the the Enneagram Made Easy book because I just went through this the other night with a friend. Um, yeah. She thought she was coming over for a wine night and it turned into a wine and discover your Enneagram <laughs> night. And um, we, I just go through each of those affirmations at the beginning of the chapter where yeah. we'll be like, this person is this. And so I'll ask it as a question or I'll, I'll say it and then the person will either say yes or no. And then I mark that down. Yeah, that's a really good way of doing it. It's actually interesting because I bought that book and I started reading chapter one because that's obviously... Even though I'm not fully type one, I still have like a lot of the type one, which, sorry if somebody's tuning in for the first time. <laughs> like they have no idea oh, what gosh. we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, if you're tuning in for the first time, we explained all of this in the last episode, but we're talking yeah. about the Enneagram. <laughs> yeah, it's basically this, um, I don't know. Anyway, type one is like the perfectionist and Haley thought I was that type. And I definitely have a lot of those tendencies because I, the, the quiz you asked me, I was like six out of seven. And yeah. I, I read about it on the book. And because that's where I like lean when I'm like stressed, I still have like some of those tendencies. So I only read type one and then type seven, which is my type, which is the enthusiast. And I did the quiz and I think I got like 20 out of 20 on the, <laughs> on the seven. I was like, wow, I'm like banging that type. And I think like the people I've been having a conversation with, I sometimes feel like they're almost like a little bit envious I like know my type so well. They're like, oh, but I didn't know my type yet. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, oh, I need those questions from Haley. I also considered like just asking them in like a WhatsApp chat, like all <laughs> the questions from the book, but I'm like, maybe that's pushing it a bit far. Well, yeah. And you can also, there are free quizzes online that aren't perfect, but will help help start narrowing it down. Mm -hmm. And then the other way to do it is just to go through and like read all of the types and then see which yeah. one 
resonates more with you, which can be difficult, but I liked, like, I know people that have done it that way, but I really do think the Enneagram made easy book that you have, because that's the test that I used for mm-hmm. my sister and brother-in-law and then a couple of my friends that have come over, mm-hmm. again, thinking that we're just going to hang out, not <laughs> knowing that their lives were about to change. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, so I think the book is even better, because when we were in New York, I just Googled an Enneagram website that had descriptions of all the types with those kinds of affirmations and then just asked those to you as questions but I don't think those were the best because it took us so long to figure out that yeah, you were type seven that is true. so I think if we had used Enneagram made easy we would have gotten there immediately oh yeah you're right I just yeah because I was literally with someone last night and and there's like there's two friends of mine who have had these like long conversation about it with and um I, I'm definitely kind of ruining it for them like a little bit because I like talk too much about the types and I obviously talk about the types that I know, but I feel like both of those people kind of fell into the same pit hole, which I think you warned me about pretty well. It's like, you can't just, because when people read like the positive sides, they're like, oh, I totally relate to all of these. And then yeah. when it gets into the negative sides, people are not as like quick to accept it. And I think you made it super clear to me when we were in New York, it's like, you have to take the good with the bad. Like there are types about my type yeah. that I don't think is the best. There's types about your type that you don't think is super flattering. And my favorite is like your type at an unhealthy level. <laughs> yeah, he's a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. So like, but you have to take the good with the bad and you have to kind of see like there are a lot of strengths, but there's also like things to look out for. And obviously it doesn't mean people are always unhealthy and you can learn to like live with it, blah, blah, all that. And that's what I've been saying to the people I've been having the conversation with. It's like, you have to accept the whole type. Like you have to accept the good with the bad. You can't yeah. just like cherry pick like, oh, I'm the fun part of like four and five and seven and nine. I'm like, <laughs> that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing that I was really careful about with you and that I've been really careful about with everyone is not like no type is better than any other type. There is no like, oh, there's a good type and there's a bad type. Like that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. It's just every type has good and bad, like you were saying. But I think one thing that I'm really conscious of is I wouldn't want some people, and it depends on the kind of type that they are, to specifically pick out a type thinking that it might be the best one and like go for it. Mm -hmm. So that's why with some people I've done the test to them because I'm like, "Ah, just in case. But I do think with most people, like my sister read through the Enneagram Made Easy book and just discovered for herself which one it was based on the affirmations or like the yeah is that what you would call those the little statements I guess of truth I think they're um, genuinely just questions or statements oh, are they actually questions I, I think, think they that, are statements I think I, but I think it's like a yes or no question so I think yes. it's like a okay. statement maybe okay yeah let's just say I think it's a statement like I think one of the oh, ones for actually, type three is I don't understand how people get bored. There's so much to do all the time. And then you would be like, yes or no. Yeah. Like, I, I also that or I really love that. the, I almost want to go out and like get my book now because like the first page, like I was instantly sold to the book when I opened the first page because it was um, like the nine people at a party. Oh my gosh. Hold on. Let me grab it. It's right behind me. <laughs> okay. Yes. You may have to just read every single one. Yeah. This is like, since I'm in my office and my, let me just open my Enneagram Made Easy book that I keep on my bookshelf. Seriously, people have no idea. Like if I invite you over to my home and you don't know your Enneagram type, expect to know it by the time you leave and have a great time. I make some good appetizers, but anyways, okay. Um, 
You want me to read like the statements that each of the types are saying? Yeah. So I'm I wanna, guessing at the dinner party. Yeah. So I'm just going to paint a picture of what's happening. So like you open this book and you're going to make it easy. Like the first page is like the nine types and they're all at this dinner party. And you can see like their little thought bubbles. So it's like yes. the person walking into the party. And I, I was like... I can't even explain the feeling I got. I was like, this is like, this is not funny, funny, but this is like hilarious in like how it <laughs> captures something about so many people I know. So I think yeah. you should go like type one and what their little comment is and just go through all okay. of them. All right. So type one is the perfectionist and their comment is not enough food groups represented here. <laughs> okay. Type two is the helper and... Their comment is, it's so great to feel needed. <laughs> type three is is my type. It's the achiever. And it's, I need to eat and run. I'm swift. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that one. I was like. Accurate. <laughs> yes. I, I've heard Haley say that <laughs> many <Accurate>. times. <laughs> <laughs> I think type four is called the romantic in some places. And that's the other thing is like some of these names that I'm using for them are different depending yeah. on the Enneagram Institute or this book. So I'm just using the name I remember, but. There might be more than one. Type four in my mind has become like the artist. Yeah, me too. But I think it's called the romantic in either in this book. But okay. their um their comment is cheap caviar, shocking. <laughs> <laughs> type five, which is um, oh my gosh, what is type five? I think it's like the individualist. It's like is the it intuitive instructor introspective one it's like that yeah one. i know well my sister's type five i just don't remember what it's called you want me to Hold open on. the enneagram website the institute sure you can have the you can have the um website oh in the book type five is called the observer but that's not what it's called on the enneagram the investigator investigator oh yeah. interesting oh so interesting i think of it as the knowledge hoarder um oh that's i think of that one as like the introspective one yeah and for i yes. think of us like I'm on the Enneagram Institute website. They call for the individualist. Yes, yes. I am like this. Okay, not to criticize the Enneagram Institute. Obviously, I didn't even know about this like a month ago. And now suddenly I'm telling them how to do their job. <laughs> you are but, an expert. <laughs> obviously. But like for to me is, I feel like I know quite a few people who fall into this category. And to me, it's like, I call them like the artist type. And the mm -hmm. Enneagram Institute website here, it says the sensitive, withdrawn type, expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed, and temperamental. And I'm like, Yes. It's, it's almost like artiste with like the little artiste, artiste. you know, <laughs> in my brain. That's what this is known as. But obviously, I, I don't mean this in a, again, like in a good or bad way. I just think like it captures it better, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. That's how I've been thinking of it in my head. Okay, yeah. so the bubble for type five is it's a talkative group. Good. That gets me off the hook. <laughs> Um, I love that. Actually, sorry, I'm I'm just gonna keep interjecting. Apparently, um, yeah, yeah, we've got thoughts about all of these. <laughs> you told me that like five as female is actually quite rare. Yes, so I heard that from. So the idea behind the five, my understanding is they are quite like knowledge focused, and they are not very talkative or like upfront with their emotions until they really know someone, and then maybe they'll be more open. I think okay, so that's kind of my understanding, and then the one woman that actually works at Buffer that got me really excited about Enneagram again. She is a type five that has taken a class on the Enneagram. <laughs> so like she's a type five that is like knowledge hoarding about the Enneagram. She's amazing. So she really like reinvigorated some of this stuff for me. And she was the one that was mentioning that type fives for women 
can be quite rare. It tends to be mm. men. So I guess yeah. she's looked into all of these numbers. Um, and so my sister's a type five. So I thought that was But neat. it's really interesting because there's like two or three women in my life who are extremely close to me. This is like, you know, the innermost circle of my life. And I think they're all type five. Obviously, I know you're not supposed to type other people, but like it just fits, like it fits with the good and the bad. And I obviously don't want to impose their type on them and they will have to figure it out for themselves. But in my brain, yeah. I'm thinking it of that because, and actually when I read that like meme joke, whatever, when they said like, this is a talkative group and they were relieved, <laughs> it actually made me feel better because I'm obviously extremely talkative. And sometimes <laughs> I'm like aware of it and I tried to be like, okay, you talk now. But maybe that's why the fives flock to you. Maybe. Because then they don't have to talk to us. But I, I was like, and also five is like, where I go for growth, like my arrow for growth is five. Oh. It's actually quite interesting because I think like when I'm at my best, like that's when I read more and that's when I do the more kind of introspective things. So I feel like, yeah. anyway, so I, I was actually pretty relieved when I saw that they appreciate being around people that are super talkative. I couldn't eat this joke in the book. Oh my gosh. You're hilarious. You're hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Type six is the loyalist. I actually know a lot of type sixes and it's sort of like the security oriented type. Mm -hmm. This is a super popular type in the United States. So that's mm -hmm. the other thing that um, kind of like, as we were talking about like, oh, more women tend to be not type five, or I guess the way to say that is more men tend to be type five. But um, there is research into like which countries reflect more of each type. Mm. So the U.S. tends to be more type sixes, which isn't super surprising because it's like a security-oriented practical type. Mm -hmm. um, so their, their um, bubble says, she's leaving early. Doesn't she like us? Oh! So it can be like a really insecure type. Oh, that is really sweet, actually. What I find is really helpful is because six, the loyalist, I feel like you know a lot of people like that, but I don't really know yeah. a lot of people like that. And I think that's And I live in the U.S., yeah, so exactly. it's kind of like funny yeah and i don't think i don't think anyone in iceland is like that <laughs> like <laughs> like chill i don't really care that much about security um like i don't i don't know if i said this on the podcast or if i got cut or whatever but like yeah young parents like people have just had a, a baby they leave their kids sleeping outside restaurants and stuff in their little trolley things wait what oh my gosh i don't think you've ever <laughs> said this yeah, so like you can walk down like the main shopping street of Reykjavik and you'll see all these, what do you call those like baby carriages thing? A stroller. A stroller, thank you. Um, yeah. Yeah, you just see That's strollers so outside all the cafes and restaurants. And it's like, because we think like the fresh air is good for the baby. So we just like let them sleep outside. Oh my gosh. Okay, this is so interesting. First of all, that would never happen in the US. <laughs> no, and then second you would of get all, like sued or like ch child services yeah, would show up. Yep, someone would call child services because people are very like, mm -hmm. I don't know, happy about calling other people about issues. Um, <laughs> but I was reading this article and I'll link to it in the show notes. And it's from this woman who's American who's lived in like London and Cyprus, and like a couple other places for the last 10 years. So she's been out of the US. And one of the points that she made that I've just been really focused on that I think is so interesting that sort of relates to this is mm -hmm. that the US talks about being like loving kids, but they don't, they aren't actually as family oriented as they try to portray. Like in oh. other countries, it, um, 
and especially Europe, she was explaining that like, if you bring your kid into a restaurant, everyone is thrilled to see a kid. Like, I guess she's spent a lot of time in Greece and like everyone in Greece loves kids and they think that they're Aww. a gift and they're amazing. And like in Iceland, you can leave your child outside and people will, no one will do anything. And everyone thinks that you're just taking care of your child. Like in the U.S., people, I guess, say a lot that they're like, oh no, the U.S. is really family oriented. But then if you've gone on a plane and your kid is crying, people are upset. Or if mm. you go to a restaurant and you bring your kid, people are upset. Or, you know, it's and like, I guess the, the culture is just different. And I thought that was the most interesting point because I'd never thought about that before. But now I mm. see it. That's really interesting. Yeah, I, I guess it also just depends on like the culture because I feel like, sorry, I feel like this is already like a pretty like, uh, almost like political, but like, I just feel like there's like turbulence in the United States now. Like, I don't think, I think people on all sides feel that. Like, yeah. And I think maybe like when people feel like there's like some turbulence, they become more security oriented. And it's weird because mm, I've actually been maybe. around the US and I've been like in the South and on the coasts and everywhere. And I actually kind of get it. Like if, you know, it's just, I think people reflect the culture where they live. Like, I think that's totally normal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All well, right. That was so a tangent. Six. Okay. That's ridiculous to so places. Six. <laughs> and then, okay, seven, which is Habby's type, is at this dinner party, they say, first, I'll eat, then take some pictures, <laughs> then go to my class, then, and then it cuts off. <laughs> this is, okay, so I feel like I am seven, <laughs> but I'm like seven in recovery because like. Seven in recovery. <laughs> I'm a recovering seven. <laughs> I actually, the book said it's like, what is most true of you as you were like under the age of 25, which I thought was interesting to kind of like preface that because yes, I, this literally happened to me probably every single time, especially when I was in Iceland, I would be booked for three or four different things like every single evening. So I'd be going from like a dinner with my family to see a friend and then I'd go to out, out afterwards or I'd be going from there and there. And there was one day I went to four graduation parties in one day. What? And I'm oh my like, gosh. like, you're not even doing anyone any service at this point. Like, no, you're, <laughs> like it's better just to pick one and commit to that one and enjoy the time spent with the people who are there. Um, I have learned this now. <laughs> so I'm much better. And I think this is why I'm like so obsessed with like my calendar because I would just keep like committing myself to like three or four different things. But I obviously am not able to because of the time space continuum. <laughs> um, so yeah, that one definitely 100% hit home. Yeah, yeah, I see this for you. <laughs> as, as someone who s schedules a lot of things with you. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. And then eight, which I know as the challenger, which is just sort of a type that is just more comfortable with confrontation, I would say, like self-assured. This in my brain is now called the Harry Potter type. <laughs> oh, it, yeah. Harry Potter is the challenger. Yeah. He's type eight. We, yeah, we'll get to that in a second, but we did look into everyone on Harry Potter's types. <laughs> yes. And like, I just, because I told the podcast that you already, because I'm obsessed with this podcast called Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. And they read like one chapter of Harry Potter and talk about it on the podcast. And they just finished book five. And so I, <sighs> I obviously had to read again, like along with the podcast. So I just finished reading book five again. And then I like was, and then just shortly afterwards, we were having this conversation. I was looking into the type and I was reading more about eight because I was like helping someone find their own type. And I was like, dang, this is like the Harry Potter type, isn't it? And 
So in my brain, Aid has become like the Harry Potter type. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So there's, did I read theirs yet? No, you haven't read that. Yet. No. Okay. So theirs was pass it down, pass it all down here. <laughs> These are just comfortable asking for what they want. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I am not that type. <laughs> no one in England is type eight. <laughs> I think we can yeah, say no. that. And then type nine, which is the peacemaker. And I know, I feel like I know a lot of type nines because I I think of this as sort of like more the buffer type. Like I know a lot of people at buffer that are this type, which mm-hmm. is just like easygoing, you know, just like agreeable. And yeah, yeah. peacemaker is sums it up really well. So theirs was, their bubble says, I feel so close to everybody. Aww. It was actually so... so um, one of my friends, I was like trying to figure out her type. She, I, I think she's a type nine, but she's still figuring it out. And so I actually really love, I have like this love for type nine now because I think like apparently they match whoever they're with really well. Mm-hmm. And like not at the sake of their th- themselves, they just like naturally kind of like match whoever they're with in like this like complimentary way. And so they see themselves in like almost all of the types. And so that's why it's like a hardest to identify nine because they see themselves in so many of the other types. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is interesting for me too. I've, I haven't looked into nine a ton, but I should look into it more because it is the type that I go to when I'm stressed. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Where I kind of like non-confrontational, like fear of conflicts, like disengaged mm. a little bit. Like I don't want any problems. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. So, yeah. I don't relate to this at all. Like when I'm in a bad place, I am like anxiety to the point of panic. Like I have still like a lot of energy, even if I'm in a bad place. So like, Mm -hmm. so I think sometimes if you're like still like figuring out what your type it is or something, I think it's so important to like go to these, like, oh wait, like, I don't want this to be true about myself, but like, this is actually helping me contextualize or putting into words something that I know to be true. And then also like when it happens, you can be like, ah, oh, wait, this is what they were talking about. And then you, it's easier to yeah. deal with it. Like it's like the diagnosis is the solution kind of thing. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's just been much easier to understand people in my life when I know they're Enneagram. I totally agree. Yeah, it has, it has been amazing. It has been amazing to be able to just sort of like understand people at their best and their worst better. Yeah. But yeah, so we have a lot of thoughts about Enneagram, but luckily we're not the only ones. It turns out that a bunch of people listening to the podcast were really excited too. So that was fun. Yeah, I did not expect this to blow up like this. Like people, and then people were like, wait, I am confused about my type. And like, (laughs) we were like trying to (laughs) be like, oh, just read more. That's my tip basically to everyone is like, just keep reading about it, I think. That's the only yeah, way forward. Don't let someone else type you. Yes. Because you're not supposed to do that. So like <laughs> if someone says, oh, I think you're this type, like first of all, that person doesn't know the rule. And then second <laughs> of all, like read through all of them and make sure that they're right because they yeah. can be wrong. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Don't be like me. Be like Haley. Haley's really good at just like <laughs> introducing it as something and not get overexcited <laughs> and talk about all the different types and all the things. I think I'm scared of scaring people off. So I don't get too excited because I like want them to get into it first before I get too excited. 
So you're way better at this. Like now I feel like I've learned this now. I'm like, okay, next time I'm just going to like quietly mention this and like nothing else. I'm like, call me when you've done it. Oh my gosh. But what was funny is that we talked about Enneagram a bunch and then people were like, what about all your other, like, I guess, results for other tests? Yeah, like the Myers-Briggs is obviously like the biggest comparison one, but also like the four tendencies. And also, yeah. Hogwarts houses. Hogwarts houses. People were... How could we not have <laughs> ever talked about our Hogwarts houses on this show? I was actually thinking in preparation of this conversation, I don't think I know your one. So I don't think we've actually never talked about this as just people oh. in general. And you know what? This That's surprising because we've gone to see a Harry Potter play together in London. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> How did this not come up? <laughs> I don't know. That's I think some amazing. assumptions were probably made. Probably. And you know what? I... Anyways, we can get into that. Where do we want to start? Do we want to start with I wanna, four tendencies? I actually want to start with the Myers-Briggs because I feel like that's okay. what people most know and it's the most kind of associated with it. And I feel like we also got the most questions about like, what are Myers-Briggs tests? Yes. So do you want to kick us off or do you want me to kick us off? You can kick us off. And I'm just going to preface this by saying I'm really bad at understanding what each of the Myers-Briggs are. So we might have to explain each of them a little bit. Okay, so actually, this is funny. And I think the reason I was never really that excited about Enneagram is because Myers-Briggs has never resonated with me. And I've never really understood it. And I've never really understood... Like, to me, it's a little bit like, you know, all those like BuzzFeed quizzes and stuff. Like, or even like the more serious ones, which are like, oh, you are a happy person and you like to do fun things. And I, like, (laughs) I feel like... I, I, I get that they're telling us something, but I feel like I've, with Enneagram, and this is why I was surprised by it, actually, was like, but because with the Myers-Briggs, I know loads of people get a lot from it. And some people even put it like in their Twitter bios or whatever. Yeah. And I am like, for me, it has always just looked like a alphabet soup and I've never really resonated with it yes. and I've never really connected with it. And I don't mean to be shady on people who get a lot from it because I actually feel like, with the Enneagram, I think I was maybe a bit, like, not as open-minded as I could have been about it. <laughs> it you don't say. <laughs> um, was just because I thought it was just kind of like, I don't know. I didn't really know what I thought about it, to be honest. And I don't put a lot of weight into, like, star signs, as I think I've actually, like, joked about on the show before. And I thought Myers-Briggs was, like, obviously not astrology, but I thought it was, like, more in that family than anything like practical or something that actually is valuable. But that was my personal experience. I know loads of people who have gotten a lot from it. So I'm not being like, I think everyone who gets something from it is like, you know, like if people get something from it, I love that. Like, but for me, I just, I was was not one of those people. Yeah. And I think we're on the same page here in terms of whatever it is that helps you add language to explain yourself or understand yourself or understand others is super helpful. So that's why we found Enneagram so valuable. But I'm on the same page that I've taken the test multiple times Mm -hmm. for Myers-Briggs. I, you know, and it's like a big investment. I've received a different result every single time. I've never remembered my result. And it's never hit home the way that Enneagram hit home. And that's why I think when I did the Enneagram and I read it, I was like, whoa, 
I have never read a more true statement about myself. Whereas with Myers-Briggs, I'm like, I don't know, that can be me sometimes, I guess. It doesn't seem specific enough. And there are so many of them. Like, it's 16 types, right? So it's just a lot. Um, But yeah, so I guess... What is your, what is your... Okay, so... Myers-Briggs. I was almost like worried to talk about this because I was like, oh, I never remember what my type is. And I'm like, because I know for some people, like if you put something in your Twitter bio, this is obviously something that's close to your heart. So like, I want to make it really clear that like, I get that it gives people a lot of value. But for me, I like, I never remember my letters. And I I even, because actually if you go on like the sex16personalities.com type and they have like a personality types tab there, they are now helpfully giving it names as well. So you're not just like a INFP, whatever, but you're like the mediator or whatever. But I actually, actually before we get into like the types. Okay, so I actually have had to almost like walk back my position a little bit in this interesting way because one of my best friends, she uses the... Myers-Briggs test as a way of checking in with herself. Oh, interesting. So she takes it just all the time. And she could easily be a part of this podcast in terms of personality because then she puts all of her findings in a spreadsheet and she's like... Oh, I love it. (laughs) You know, so she's, you know, she's not far away from our personalities in that way. So, but she uses it as a way to like check in with herself and she kind of remembers where she falls on because a lot of them are like strongly agree or strongly disagree. And then there's like a sliding scale. Yeah. And so like, let's say she always does strongly agree on whatever question she, she notices if suddenly she's neutral or suddenly she's like agree, but like not strongly. And Mm. I think that's really interesting. And I actually ended up having this like really interesting conversation with her about like, if you, understand the questions and are able to see like do they represent you being more extroverted or introverted or like which is what this letter stand for you start to understand these concepts on like this deeper level and you don't don't only see it in yourself but you also start seeing it in others which is kind of like how we've been using the Enneagram we're like seeing traits in ourselves, and then we're seeing traits in other people and then we're seeing how they kind of mesh together yeah and I think at the end of the day we're using Enneagram as a tool right Mm -hmm. and it's just the tool that we prefer now that we've discovered it but like the 16 personalities like Myers-Briggs this is a tool as well and if someone else prefers that tool that's totally fine yeah and she actually came over for um I hadn't bought the book yet, so we didn't do the Enneagram, but <laughs> we will next time. Um, <laughs> so, because I was, I, I was kind of humbled by my Enneagram results and how like I cared about it. So I was asking her like more about it. And what I thought was like really interesting is like, so if anyone doesn't know about the Myers-Briggs test already, it's basically these like four pairings of letters and if you're more extroverted or more introverted, that's the letter you get. So you could be an E or an I, and then it goes to like the next one down and the next one down and the next one down. And she explained it like they also have like this different weight, whatever. So she like understands this on this deep level and she knows like these things shift, but she almost sees it as like a way of checking in with herself. And there was like a really interesting conversation we had because I'm more extroverted and she's more introverted. And so she was saying it's very common for people who are extroverted they understand complicated things through talking them through. Mm, Yep. Versus like more introverted people, they, they like, they process things internally. So they think about things and 
that's how they make kind of sense of it. And I've never really related to the like, oh, are you more people who goes out and meets other people? Because I'm like, everybody in the world is sometimes by themselves and is sometimes out in the world. So yeah, I just never thought that was how, but the way she explained it as like, oh, it's just how your brain processes information. And this has happened to me, all, this has happened to us on the podcast. Like I have been talking something through on the podcast and I'm like, wait, finally understand it. As I'm like, like, so for me to, explain something mm, to someone else same. I'm like pulling these strands together and I'm like oh wow like why did I never think about it that way but that's like so I'm e on that one and then the next one down I found this website I'll send you the link which is explaining the difference between the next two letters which is the s and the n which is difference between sensing and intuition and it's basically are you a more of a fact-based person or are you more of an intuitive person mm. and so I am definitely more intuitive. I just kind of like absorb all these different things and something intuitively clicks eventually. And But I feel like a lot of people I know are definitely more factual. And that's like when people correct you, like you say the wrong word or you say the wrong thing, whatever. But that is telling me, oh, they're probably the ones that like they need to have the facts correct. I, I am the same. I am more intuitive as well. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and the other ones, I feel like that's a little bit too abstract for me because I'm like still super early days in the Myers-Briggs. And I feel like I, I'm not like a convert. I still like don't really resonate strongly with my type and my type changes. And I don't remember my letters and whatever. <laughs> but I just thought this like method of like, oh, it's not, there's like this deeper meaning and you can't get into it if that's something you value. And I just found that interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's like, these are all tools that we're using because we want to learn more about ourselves. Yeah. And, and there's something in stoicism too, about how like one of the best things you can do is learn the most about yourself. So I, we haven't mentioned the daily stoic in a while. So just Ooh. a plug for that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like that. Yeah. But okay. So wait, um, you are an ES so far, right? Extroverted and sensing. Okay. No, probably E-N, because I think the N oh, is e intuition. Is it? Okay. Yeah. So actually when, because we, I knew this would come up. So I actually ended up texting this friend of mine. I was like, what's my type again? Because I didn't <laughs> <laughs> So she says I'm an E-N-F-J. Oh. The protagonist. Wow. Okay. Yeah, we're... Almost the same type. Oh my god! So I guess I'm. Which one are you? I go between ENFJ and ESFJ. So I guess I changed my position on that. Wait, where's the ES? Wait, I'm gonna ES. The console is the ESFJ. Oh. Oh. Wow. I go between it though. Like this is just the one that I. Yeah, in the most because recent then test I actually I took the test recently, also in preparation for this, and I don't remember if I was the entrepreneur or the entertainer. I was one of those. Oh, see, and I didn't realize, I, I kept forgetting that they have, now that they have these, like, titles for them, it's easier to remember. Yeah. But, yeah, so I've been, I've, I think I received the console most recently, so I guess I'm not sensing, I don't know, I go back and forth, or I'm the fact one, but I was just reading the bottom of mine um, at the console, they do, like, who are other people that are this personality as well? Oh, are you in the console tab? Yeah, and okay. it's Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. 
Yes. Okay, so you're probably the console. And she's also a type three. So I feel like I have a lot in common with her. <laughs> you are 100% the same type as Taylor Swift. I've been like, I don't know. I, I, we obviously want the content to be evergreen. So like, I don't want to get into like the details, but she's been a lot in the news lately. And I'm like, yeah, I feel like the criticisms and the praise he gets, I could see like, People who see her in a positive light, those are like the positive traits of the three. And people who criticize her, they're criticizing her for like the negative traits of the three. And <laughs> I, I am like almost like giggling to myself that like, what I like about the Enneagram though, it's like, I just find that it just holds up. I think that's why it does. I find it like this, it's just resonating on this like weird level that I wasn't expecting when you first brought it, introduced it to me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so those are Myers-Briggs. <laughs> okay, yeah, do, yeah, that's enough. But we want to know people's, that's, obviously. Yes. I think people already shared them in some... So some people have shared, some people have shared their Myers-Briggs as well, because just when we started sharing this stuff, they were like, oh, here are all my other things. Like yeah. one of the other ones is Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin. And um, I know mine for that one, but I don't think you'd even heard of that before. Oh, so one of my friends, she... um. She has brought up the tendencies thing probably the last like six or seven times that I've met her. Like this is like <laughs> resonating. Like this is resonating. That is resonating to her the way that Enneagram is resonating with you. Like this is just something. I feel like something just clicked with her or like clarified something for her. And I yeah. kind of I kind of figured out which type I thought I was. Um, but I, t- I took the test in preparation for this. Yay. Okay. For this podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's go over the four tendencies first for everyone. Can we actually explain what this is first? Just because uh, maybe some people are like me and they're not really familiar with what it is. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'll get to explain it really well. I mean, so I've read the book. The, so Gretchen Rubin, I'm a really big fan of her work. So she actually has a book called The Four Tendencies. I haven't read that one, but I've read one of her other books where she talks about it. And so she talks about the four tendencies as being... I think she says, like, how we respond to expectations. Yes. So the idea being that just like for us with the Enneagram, it's about motivators. For the tendencies, it's like if you know what how you respond to expectations, then you'll just know more about yourself. And if you know mm-hmm. more about other people's tendencies, which is what she calls them, then you can, like, work with them more efficiently and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. Does that, does that help? Yeah, it definitely helps. That's why she calls them four tendencies. Yeah. And so it's like, um, it's the two types of expectations is um, when other people have an expectation of you. So it's like, do you show up to work on time or do you always hand in your homework on time? And like this kind of external expectation. And then it's the inner expectation, which is like, do you meet your own goals? Do you like set goals in the first place for yourself? Um, I think we're kind of getting to <laughs> where Haley might be on this. <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah. So the idea is like meets outer expectations versus like meets or meets or resists outer expectations versus like meets or resists inner expectations. Yeah. It's weird because like I hadn't, I had only heard this explained and I'd heard the like four different types and I always imagined it on like a matrix, but the website has these like four circles. This is like yes. different to I how I imagined. Yeah. Yeah. It's very visual. Okay. So the four types are the rebel, which resists both outer and inner expectations. Mm-hmm. The questioner, which resists outer expectations, but meets inner expectations the upholder, which is meets outer expectations and inner expectations, and then the obliger, 
which meets outer expectations but resists inner expectations. So essentially, the upholder meets all expectations, inner and outer, mm-hmm. and the rebel resists all expectations, inner and outer. And then mm-hmm. on the other end, you have the obliger, which meets outer expectations, resists inner ones, and then the questioner resists outer meets inner. I hope that helps, just because I know it's very visual. We'll include a link in the show notes mm-hmm. to this bubble that we're looking at. Yeah. So we, I feel like we have to start with you because yours is like the super obvious one, I think. I started like <laughs> a little bit of an upholder. A <laughs> little bit. You were like, they could, when you Google upholder, they could just use your like LinkedIn photo, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny if that ever becomes the case. But yes, I meet outer expectations and inner expectations, which is all the goal setting would be like inner expectations. <laughs> I don't, I don't even think, I don't know if I know your type. Do you want to guess? I won't be offended in any way. Oh, I don't know. I would maybe, I think I would put you as a little bit of a questioner. That's really interesting because as soon as I heard this explained to me, I was like, I'm probably the rebel. <laughs> just because I, I I feel like I'm just so indifferent to um, outer expectations. Like, like I, I was, I was like a little bit reflecting on this before we started recording. And like, I remember when I was at school, like the subjects I liked, I was good at. And the subjects I didn't like, I didn't care about. <laughs> and it was hilarious. Like I went to like a pretty like good school and I did like all these different subjects. And my two least favorite subjects, Spanish and chemistry, which is like weird because they're not even like in the same family. Like, I liked the adjacent subjects, but those two specifically, I just never liked. And I just never did my homework and I never did anything about it. And the social pressure of like, oh, but your grade will be affected or whatever. It just didn't face me. Like it just, mm. and I think this is also why uh, we've had conversations off the mic about like um, goal setting. Like for me, yeah, it's just completely arbitrary. Like, oh, you want to do 10 or 12? For me, it's like, well, both of those are made up. Like what's the... Mm. I don't know. Like, I feel like I know they're made up. And so when I'm being like held accountable to it, I still know that they're made up kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that inner expectations is just goal setting, though. I guess the reason. So the difference between rebel and questioner for people, the rebel resists everything. And then the questioner resists outer but meets inner. I guess what I was thinking is I think sometimes like inner expectations could be like habit forming or like health expectations. And I know that you've like done different things with like yoga and running. And I would say that doing those would be inner expectations. But then, and we might actually like, if we're like foreshadowing a little bit, like, but then I feel like if I actually think if I was moving in any one direction, I think I would actually move towards the obliger. Mm, Interesting. Because like, the way to get me to do things is like, and I think this actually kind of in a interesting way, it relates to type seven. Whereas like, because I'm like such a, like a social person, I don't want to ruin the party basically. <laughs> so if it's like an occasion and everyone has to have done their bid, I don't want to let down my friends. You know what I mean? Oh, that's so interesting. Okay. Well, I'm just way off. <laughs> no, it's really interesting to hear. So like, and also for me, um, I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast, but like my, I work remotely and you work remotely and my team, we have a morning call every morning really early and it's or not really early, but like every morning. And I want to like be at the office and take the call and the call is pretty quick. It's like a stand up call. So you just quickly call in 
But if I didn't have that call in the morning, I don't know if I would even show up for work that day. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, so I actually think I'm worse at like the inner expectations and the outer expectations huh. because if there's like a social pressure, I am able to do it. But it's, it's, it's not as like I'm afraid to getting in trouble. So that's why like when it was grades, I was kind of like, I just accepted if I was going to get good grades or bad grades. And then when I was good, I got like really good grades. It was like, it's almost like I make my own, like if I'm ambitious about something, like I take it really far, but that comes from me. It doesn't come from like, oh, my parents want to see a perfect sheet of all A's or whatever. But I do have this like, and if I was ever to get like, like if I had to, you know, do something where I needed to get like super fit in like the next two months because I was going to be like a bikini model or whatever, I would hire like a personal trainer. I would have to meet every day because mm. I would like, I would not want to be late for the appointment. Um, right. But that, I would. Okay. I see it. That makes sense. Yeah. But like for myself, I would not have the discipline to like every day run like 3K, if that makes sense, <laughs> or 5K yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So interesting. And I actually think it's interesting um, because we're going to talk a bit about books later. And I think because I've joined book clubs, I'm getting this like. Uh. It's almost like I'm getting this because obviously um, I still like I still went to like good schools and got really good grades and everything. I'm not saying that I was like a total slack or whatever, but I, I don't do this in my working life, but I've also worked really hard to not be that person. But I would like massively, massively procrastinate. Mm. So, but I would still like get it done. So actually like book clubs because it's giving me this like deadline but it's it's like almost <laughs> like the social deadline it's not the like I don't want to show up and be like oh I didn't read it you know that makes sense whereas I'm over here like just tracking my own books competing yeah, with myself <laughs> exactly and yeah and I actually think it's really interesting because I feel like you are somebody who I think models really well like how to have this like inner expectations in this really like clear way in a way, I know I, I would just never be able to do that. I just, I, I would, yeah, I would fall up like the first hurdle. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I think I've always been like this too. I do feel like I've always been a very like inner expectations. I'm very self-motivated. I have no problems meeting inner expectations. Like when you were talking about getting fit, there have been various points in my life where I just decided like, okay, I'm going to run at 6 a.m. every day now. And like did it for a year or whatever. And I think it was, I was in high school and people all thought I was nuts, but I was like, this is just something that I want to do for myself. Um, but yeah, so I feel like that's, that's always been a thing I for me. I <laughs> would love to be, the thing is as well, like, and what I like about this and what I like about the Enneagram and everything is that like, so often with these things, like, it's almost like you want to choose what you are, but this is not a choice. I think like, yeah, yeah. This is I getting agree. to something like really like, I would love to like, not have get super stressed like when or have anxiety and I would love to just like write down everything I wanted to do and then just like through my inner commitment just always wake up at six and run for an hour or whatever but I am just like and I think this is why I've become so like obsessed with like calendars and all those things it's kind of to hold me accountable because <sighs> naturally I would <laughs> not get anything done yeah. ever or but probably, but like, it would just be different. But I think like for me to like achieve what I want to achieve, I have to have all these like, 
you know, I'm committing myself to somebody else or, you know, it has to work that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So you are rebel turning into obliger and I am upholder probably staying there. (laughs) Yeah. For like your whole life. (laughs) Probably not moving on this scale. Probably not going to change. Yeah. I feel like also like our different approaches to goals is so perfectly reflected in this. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Okay. So everyone knows our Enneagram types, our four tendencies, and our Myers-Briggs. Mm-hmm. Last one. Hogwarts. Somebody would say the most important one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. People freaked out when we asked if they might want to know <laughs> our Hogwarts types. Yeah, it's a joke. We just kind of like, when everybody was like replying and stuff, we like quote tweeted something. We were like, oh, should we maybe do our Hogwarts house next? And everybody was like, all caps, like, yes, 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 yes. I was like, oh, I guess we're doing Hogwarts. Yes. <laughs> and if you are a person listening to this show and you've never done your Hogwarts house test, like the sorting hat, essentially <laughs> don't take a BuzzFeed quiz or like a cheap online quiz because what exists is a Pottermore sorting hat. Like, I think that J.K. Rowling is, like, involved in this oh, website. So it's very fancy. It's very Hogwarts. So if you're going to do it, the link in the show notes for <laughs> the sorting hat by Pottermore is the one that you want. <laughs> oh, no. All right, you go first. Okay. I took the quiz with my partner because we were long distance for a while. So we went through each of the quizzes together just to sort of be like, Oh, that's cute. Oh, yeah. Just like learn more about each other. And for my entire life, I had never taken the quiz up until a few years ago when we took it together because I just assumed because my last name is Griffiths that I am Gryffindor. Yeah. I mean, this makes total sense. So I've just always assumed I was Gryffindor. Okay. And I wasn't. Are you a Ravenclaw? Yes. Okay. (laughs) How did you know? I never would have guessed that for myself. Because I, I think, I okay, so I actually think like that Harry Potter Hogwarts house is a really interesting one because it's like, you cannot not become biased from the books. All the heroes are Gryffindor. And this is why sometimes I find the Hogwarts house conversation a little bit boring because everyone's like, oh, I'm a Gryffindor. And I'm like, shocking. You're the hero of your own life. I'm surprised that you <laughs> think that way. <laughs> Sorry. I have <laughs> met some people that have been proud Slytherins though. But but I think that is like the anti-hero. It's like the person who is like, you know, with a little bit of a cheek or like, oh, you know, you know, there's like this type of person who likes yeah. to be the villain. And they think obviously like the villains tend to be like, they can be like more cool. Like they have the evil, big, whatever. It's true. I think it was trendy for this person to become a Slytherin. <laughs> yeah. So I think like, but you you just cannot remove the story from the houses. So like the heroes are Gryffindor and the villains are Slytherin. And then... Um, Hufflepuff are kind of like the, just like the good people who are like really loyal. And <laughs> it's, it's not coming really across sweet. as like super cool to be a Hufflepuff, like if you go by the books. And then the Ravenclaws, I feel like the Ravenclaws are super invisible. You just, we don't really see a lot of Ravenclaws. No. And then you learn about them, I feel like later on, but... Yeah, I, I didn't feel like I knew very much about the Ravenclaws at all. So when I got the test results back, I was like, what? Yeah. Wait, which one are you? Are you Ravenclaw also? See, this is where this gets really traumatic for me to talk about this. Traumatic. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> because I never knew what house I felt right in. Because Gryffindor, I feel like I always had this like, oh, everybody wants to be a Gryffindor. 
Um, I felt like I related to Hermione for sure. And like, she's, yeah. she could have been Ravenclaw. Like, um, but again, yeah. like Ravenclaw, I feel like I didn't really know anything about Ravenclaw, but apparently like what is like the highly priced there is like intelligence and sharp wit and all these type of things, whatever. But then I took the Pottermore quiz oh and they gosh. put me in Slytherin. <laughs> And I'm like, what do you mean you put me in Slytherin? Oh my gosh. And I was so this... sad. Um, so I feel... Um... Oh my gosh, you don't have to be sad. <laughs> like I said, it's trendy to be, you know, the anti-villain. So I feel like you're just, this is on brand for you, actually, now that I think of it. Oh my God, I was so sad. I didn't tell anyone. I was so ready to like share on Twitter my type because I finally took the Pottermore test. And then I was so sad and deflated. And I was like, I'm not a Slytherin. And then, I feel like you would have done really well in Hufflepuff, but it wouldn't have been true. I, no. I just feel like you would have been really happy there, you know, like <laughs> talking about goats and having friends and like lots of stuff to do all the time. No, I would but not I be happy in Hufflepuff. It, it, it wouldn't have worked out. <laughs> but then I was having a conversation the other day. So, so basically, since we recorded the last episode, the only thing I've talked about in my entire life is the four tendencies and the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram and the Hogwarts houses. It has been on Twitter. It has been, And then because I know people who like are also on Twitter, so they bring it up when they see me in person. So even if I've tried to escape it, there has been no escaping it for me. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't leave. But like... There was this person I met who was like explaining that like, again, we're tainted by the books because I don't think I am super villainy. Like, I don't think I'm like an anti-hero in that way. But like the qualities of Slytherin is like ambitious and smart. And like, it's kind of like you can use your powers for evil, mm. but like you don't have to. If you, huh. But like the reputation is just because of all like the bad people. Yeah, yeah. No one, you know, I mean, not no one, but like most people don't go out to, if they're really obsessed with Harry Potter, they don't go out to be in Slytherin, I would say. But like, I think probably, there's a person. Like you say, they probably go for Gryffindor most of the time. Yeah. But yeah, I do think there is a personality. Like you're not the first Slytherin that I've met. Okay. It, but it's been, and then I, um, I was so, I was so traumatized, Haley, that I, Try to take the test again. And they're like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, no. <laughs> You're not allowed to take the test again because the integrity is like the sorting hat is final. Like you you don't have a say. And I'm yeah, like, you can't take the Pottermore one again because they've done this the right way. This isn't a BuzzFeed quiz. <laughs> yeah. And then um, I, I I cheated because, see, again, maybe oh this is why I'm <laughs> Because obviously I You are Slytherin. <laughs> This is what people say. Uh, because I obviously have multiple oh email addresses. So I tried to do it again on a different email address. Oh my gosh. But I came again. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, after you had just cheated. Well, I just wanted to confirm it. It wasn't cheating. Oh it was like gosh. a confirmation. This has been really difficult for me. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> if it, okay, if it makes it any better for people, we sort of alluded to this earlier, but we did look up all the Harry Potter types on Enneagram and mm -hmm. both Voldemort and Gilderoy Lockhart are type three like me. <laughs> so I was really traumatized when that happened. So you're not alone, Habby, in in being traumatized by some of these results. But also Taylor Swift that brought it all back and made it all better. <laughs> yeah. Taylor Swift and I are the same person. <laughs> and Voldemort and Gilderoy Lockhart. Hey, okay, you are the one that's in Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> See, maybe it's because I make comments like this that it's like... 
There yeah, probably okay. is. The word that wow, you mean like Slytherin clicks a lot of things into place <laughs> for our friendship. Don't say that. <laughs> and then actually, um, because obviously like Taylor Swift's last kind of era, as they talk about in the music world, was very snaky. Mm. Um, I bought as like one of the merch things you could buy, like a snake ring. You're so Slytherin. And then my friend was like, oh, that's such a cool Slytherin ring. And I'm like, I was I was trying via the Taylor Swift route to be like slowly accepting. Maybe this is me, but it's been really hard for me. And so if Aww. anyone on Twitter can tell me like the good qualities of being Slytherin, because, okay, so I don't think I'm saying like, I am not a person who is like malicious. I think. No, no, no. I think that's fair. Like, and I feel like I'm not mean. Like, and I... And I never have been. So I think like... So, no, you're not. Yeah. So I just want to make that very clear. I'm like the good Slytherin. <laughs> I'm the good Slytherin. <laughs> or oh that's my gosh. what I want at least. But I would want to be in Ravenclaw. That's like that's like my dream house. And then I took one of those BuzzFeed quizzes. Apparently there's one that is like the respected one of BuzzFeed. And that one put me in Ravenclaw. So I'm like... I, I tried so hard, Haley. <laughs> so it's three different tests to try and get different results <laughs> this is like but this is exactly what we were talking about when we were talking about like don't go into the enneagram hoping for a result like it's just not possible to do that with hogwarts houses like you were saying so yeah. i get it um i'm gonna go with slytherin because i trust potter more more than buzzfeed mm, i was i was afraid i was literally i was having anxiety about having this conversation and i have to like come oh my out gosh. of the closet no, i accept <laughs> you as you are pardon <laughs> I accept you as you are. I'm sure that our Twitter community will be very supportive. I'm sure I'm we'll like, find Slytherins in the Make Work Work community that will just come out and hand you. I'm like the rebel and the Slytherin. <laughs> we are opposites on a lot of things. I think that we've I think that we've talked about this on the podcast before, but we we are very different people in a lot of different yeah, ways. <laughs> definitely. And even like the Enneagram with this like the the type three and the type seven, I feel like those are not the like, they're very complimentary, but they're not similar. An almost magical couple, but not the same person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Can we move on from this very difficult? Can we move on? Oh, we can move on. Thank you for being open to sharing. Oh my gosh. You're so funny. <laughs> This is probably why we've never talked about this before, because, like, I wouldn't have put it up. <laughs> well, you should know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This yeah. is so funny. Wow. There will be Twitter threats. There will be. There will be Twitter chats. That follow-up took a really long time. Was it follow-up? It was... We put it in follow-up. Oh. See, I, I actually thought on the... um. What was it? Like when I started understanding the lattice with the mm. Myers-Briggs, when it says like yeah. the S and the N, I actually thought you would be more of an S because I sometimes feel like you correct me on these like factual points <laughs> where I'm just kind of like, man, we're, we're broadly headed in the correct <laughs> direction. But I am ESFJ. Yeah. I just go between ESFJ and ENFJ. But oh, yeah, yeah, right now I'm ESFJ, I guess. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's actually very true. Hmm. Yeah. And I actually like there there's someone I work with who they correct me about this like I might say like the little fact wrong, but like the big picture is the same. And actually having that conversation with my friend actually helped me be like, oh, I'm just more of 
this other type of personality. Anyway, um, do you want to take a little break before we do the next part, or are we good to yeah. just? We can. We can start the next. Yeah. What do you What do you want to do? Are you Are you just? I'm, are you comfortable? Are you okay? I'm comfortable. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking that like the next section is probably also going to be massive, and that's fair. I kind of want to get more tea, but I won't like boil it. I'll just microwave it for like a minute and a half. Yeah. So okay. We should just keep the- here in a few minutes. Obviously, keep the recording open. Yes. Perfect. So so it'll be yeah it'll be a couple minutes, but okay. we will meet back here. Okay. Perfect. Yay. Yay! Go team, break. <laughs> break. <laughs> I am here. Are you back? I just got back. Perfect timing. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Break. Break over. Break over. Do you, okay, I have, <laughs> I have two other things to ask you that are sort of in the personality realm. Okay. That are quick ones that aren't real ones. Okay, go for it. As like a warm up, is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. Okay. So we were talking about Gretchen Rubin. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that she talks about in one of her books mm-hmm. is, are you the kind of person, if you have a jar in your pantry, do you most enjoy finishing that jar or do you most enjoy opening a new jar like are you the kind of person that might have multiple jars open at once or are you the kind of person that like you really have to finish that jar before any other jars get opened oh my god i love throwing away jars that are finished i love it me too i like i'm it's actually a really good day when i get to finish a jar i always (gasps) smile i'm like i'm just gonna recycle this and like wow i feel so good that's not in my pantry anymore because i think that it's the achiever part of me that's like check that one's done i i feel like i've Okay, this may sound kind of weird, but I'm like this with, um, especially like shampoo, like shower products. Yeah. I feel like I had this like life changing moment, like many years ago now where I like removed all of my bath products. This was like before Mary Kondo. This was like something in my brain (laughs) was like... Let's just finish one bottle of shampoo and one bottle of conditioner. Yes. And those are finished. You can put the next one in the shower. Just because it's a bath product doesn't mean you need to have 25 bottles in there. Just yes. have the products that are actually like in use. And there's only one of each type in use at a time. I totally agree with this. It's funny because I actually did something not quite the same, but similar in terms of I had a lot of samples in my oh. in my cupboard like I don't know what it is but you'll go places and they'll give you samples of shampoo and conditioner like all the time I don't know how I had so many of them mm-hmm. and I just decided my old shampoo ran out and I just decided I'm only using samples until they're gone I'm just yes. using these up because I'm sick of having them and like I don't use them when I travel anymore it's kind of weird because I've gone from this phase of life where for the most part I stay in hotels now instead of Airbnbs oh, okay. which is really kind of strange but I guess because it's more work travel than me traveling Mm -hmm. anyways so there's always shampoo there so that's not really a concern so yeah anyways I was just like okay I'm getting rid of all these and it felt amazing okay so that's interesting so you're also a jar like finisher not a jar opener no and I like I am also like so my weakness when it comes to like I feel like 
You, it's just a lot about yourself when you're like super broke. Like say when you just moved to London or something like that. <laughs> like what is the like one indulgence you allow yourself because you can't afford any other ones. And for me, it was always like makeup and beauty products. Mm. And so I also have this policy with like makeup. I love just like finishing a product and like, I'm like, this is out of my life now. Yes. And it's so, and I also like have, <laughs> I know we're not really like a makeup organization podcast. <laughs> I also As like in we've never talked about it before, ever. <laughs> um, but I have like this system where like, I have a special place for like the products that are constantly in use. And then I have this other place with just like products I will pull into when the other ones are finished yeah. kind of thing. And I have, I have this- the same system. Oh my God, really? Wow. That doesn't surprise me as much as, I mean, it shouldn't surprise me as much as it does. Yeah. I, th- I feel like we're f- focused so hard now on how we're like all these different types. We're like, yay, we, <laughs> we have these things in common we're as well. Both the same. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I have one more. Okay. Go for it. This is actually a question that I was asked in my interview for Buffer. Oh, interesting. Go for it. It is, are you a pirate or an explorer? An explorer has a map and is following the map to get to their destination. A pirate has no map and is making it up as they go. Ooh. Oh, that's a tricky one. I feel like... Okay. I feel... Okay, so... Again, related to, like, all these conversations about personality I've been having, I was talking to somebody about baking and cooking, and I actually find it really satisfying to, like, get a recipe, follow a recipe, the food's always really good, especially if it's, like, a more complex thing, and it's almost like you're pulling it off, and it means you can do something that's above your skill level, because, like, you can cook something super basic just by what you already know, but, like... If it's complex, you have to like follow the recipe. And I follow the recipe and I'm like, this doesn't look like, I don't know what this is supposed to look like, but this looks kind of weird. And then it's turned out like amazing. And that is a super satisfying feeling. So I'm totally like, follow recipe. Like I have that in me. But then I also feel like, like sometimes in London, I've done this basically since I moved here, where sometimes if I'm just kind of roughly headed whatever way, I often just don't look at my phone and just kind of vaguely walk in the correct direction and hope mm. I end up in the kind of correct place. And yeah, nowadays I'm pretty, I was actually, I was walking through Soho with like Central London last night. And I, I don't know if anyone can relate to this or if this is like a weird feeling, but I find it so satisfying because like London, especially like, it's just such a messy city. Like it's, not a grid, it's like really complicated and all these streets look like they're parallel, but then they go in all these different directions. And I always find it super satisfying when I can just completely navigate it without having to look (laughs) at my phone because I just know it. And I'm sure it's like, like, I don't think that's specific to London. I'm sure like other people find that in other places, but like, I've always like really loved that feeling. But I think I'm good at that because I've kind of, sometimes like if I'm not in a hurry, I might just like kind of wander and then I'm off the map basically. Yeah. So I don't know what counts higher in this question because I feel yeah. like there's like a time and a place for, but for I guess I'm them. probably more of a like the explorer though, because like when I go off the map, it's like structured off the map. If that yeah. makes sense. It's not like I just walk out and I have no concept of anything. It's like, if that makes sense. So I, I would probably say I'm more of an explorer. Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. It's it's funny. I can find examples of both in my life also. What mm-hmm. type do you think I am? 
Or what? Um, do you think I'm a pirate or explorer? <laughs> I feel like I feel like you're the type of person who likes like a plan and to follow the plan. But I don't mean to say that like you're not adventurous because I know you have the side of you where you, especially when you used to like travel more, you would just sometimes go to these like completely random places seemingly. So I don't know. Yeah. It's funny because I like to follow the plan, but I also like to make the plan. Yeah. But doesn't the so, explorer make the plan or... I don't know. No, I they're didn't... following a map that's already made. Oh. Oh, I'm probably more mm-hmm. of a pirate then. Because if I'm like a rebel and then a pirate. Yeah. Well, I think it's... I, I don't think if you looked at the rest of my personality types, I don't think people would probably put me in the pirate section. But that's actually the answer I gave for the buffer job. Um, and it is... I still think true on like a high level today as well. So if you think of like some of the things that I've done in my life, I don't know, I don't think we've ever talked about this, but like when I graduated university, I had two job offers in the city that I was living in. Mm -hmm. They were both good, like with retirement plans and health plans and like all that stuff. So it would have been like the normal thing to do, which is what a lot of other people that I went to school with did to just like get a job in that city. Um, But instead I turned both of them down and booked a one-way ticket to Columbia and just sort of hung out there for as long as my visa would let me and then came home and like hung out and did some freelancing. So I do think there are a lot of things in my life that I've done that have been like not according to the plan at all. Um, The plan was not to move to the US, but here we are. (laughs) I even find like your role, like where you work now, I feel like you're not, like you're quite like, doing your own thing like there yes. isn't a person who's directly like obviously you answer to like the head management of the company and everything but I don't see that they're like micromanaging do you speak to this person no. or that person or whatever I feel like so actually and also because for me PR is like I've had a lot of conversation about PR recently um oh. it's weird because I feel like PR to me is such a like a black box of things it's like yeah you just check a bunch of stuff out there and maybe something will stick and I find it like sometimes people like ask like what it is and I'm kind of like I don't even really know how to explain it but it's like so, but it's weird because I know I I would find it really difficult because I would find it like super inconsistent like what works yeah. and what doesn't work and I think I would find that really frustrating but loads of people who are really close to me in my life work in PR so clearly I'm like <laughs> I find that so weird because it's such a specific job like I, I bat out of the slice of people not that many people do PR but you do PR and like some of my best friends other ones do PR as well and I find it such like a mysterious uh, job so I guess actually I, that is quite like piratey because you're just kind of like yes figuring out what works and then I'm sure you have to like change up your strategies like all the time yeah there is no like blueprint to follow yeah also. so yeah yeah I do I think I I resonate more with the pirate a little bit yeah um, also pirates are just cooler I think yeah yeah it's true <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay those were the other two that I was thinking of when we were on our little break where I was like oh what do you yeah, think for this one? <laughs> Actually, I have one question for you that isn't like interesting and fun and generative, but it's just like a practical question, which is... Oh boy. Is Gretchen... What's her name? Gretchen Rubin. What is the other... Is she the one who wrote The Happiness? No. Yes, The what? Happiness Project. The Happiness Project. Yes, I've seen yes. her name for so long and The Happiness Project. I think like my my dad talked about Happiness Project to me or something. Yeah, it's a very, very... Did she do a TED Talk or something? Yeah, um... I think or, she has done a TED. Mm, I wouldn't be surprised if she had done a TED yeah. talk, but I can't. I can't think of it. But so she did was really. I just find her really fascinating. She used to write biographies of people, 
Oh. Like, I think, I think she, so she wrote a biography about like um, Winston Churchill and JFK. Oh. And then she wrote The Happiness Project because she was just like going through a lot of stuff in her life and she was working on, the whole concept behind it is that one, like per month, every month, she's going to do one thing like for the whole month to try and make herself happier. Things like, I don't know, um, like reading Aristotle or having fun or like I think one of them that she does is like singing in the shower. I don't even know. Like they're like really cute ones and she writes about her whole journey over the year trying to become happier. And it, it, this book is a couple of years old now at this point. Like I'm pretty sure I read it in either 2012 or 2013. Um, It really, really resonated with me at the time. Mm -hmm. And I still think it's an incredible book. And then she's since gone on to write all sorts of other books. So the four tendencies that we were talking about, she has a whole book on that. She has one called Better Than Before, which is about habits. And I read that one and loved it. Um, but yeah, so she's, she's an author, but she just kind of has like an interesting history. So I, I think she's great. That's really cool. That's really interesting because yeah, like this, you know how sometimes something just like, it's not that you just suddenly hear about it, but it's suddenly like everywhere. Yeah. I got that vibe with like the happiness project and like the four tendencies. I swear like three months ago or two months ago, whatever, I don't know, time. I had never heard about this. And then suddenly everybody was talking about it. And I feel like I always like, you know, that like Einstein quote, whatever. It's like, if you can't explain it simply, like you don't understand it well enough. But I think this is such a good example of taking something that is actually quite like complicated or like a nuanced thing. But like, it's explained so simply, literally by hearing the four words, I feel like you kind of get it. Like, because you know the difference between an upholder and a rebel. Like this is not, you don't (laughs) need to read 17 pages of whatever to figure out what that means. And I actually think... It's really remarkable to be able to like boil something so fundamental about us as people, like in literally four words. Like, I think that it's really yeah. interesting. So I haven't read any of her work. I just like that name and these titles have been like, and, and both with The Happiness Project and now with these four tendencies, they just like suddenly they're everywhere. So yeah, yeah. I guess I will have to maybe pay her some more attention. She's great. I love her writing. I find it very relatable and not like, to, I don't know, sometimes when you read people, you read people's self-help books, you're like, well, that's a little pretentious, but like not her. (laughs) So (laughs) I've always loved her. So yeah, definitely. And the happiness project is like kind of at this point, it's like a throwback book for me. Cause I, you know, when you either read or listen to or watch something at a particular moment in your life, I've read the happiness project at a particular moment in my life. And it was really impactful and incredible. So I feel like it it's like nostalgic for me now to like go back and read that book. <laughs> oh. Do you remember like where you were at like some big point in your life or was it just like? Yeah, I was. And I even remember where I was when I first saw The Happiness Project. I walked into, um, in Canada, we have a bookstore called Chapters and I walked into a Chapters and it That's was like That's a on... great name for a bookshop or right? bookstore. I love yeah. that. It's incredible. It's kind of like Barnes and Noble for anyone that knows Barnes and Noble. Um, so I walked into chapters and it was on, it was in the front. It was like being featured because it was like, I think the year it came out. Yeah. And what was going on in my life is that I was just about to graduate from university. So I was going through job interviews with all these companies that I told you I eventually turned down. Yeah. Um, and I had a lot of other personal things going on that weren't so great. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just sort of that general like, oh, wow, I'm about to be done school potentially forever. And 
Those are some What am big, I going to do with my life? That's like a big, what do you call like crossroads or whatever? Yeah, like yeah. those are some big crossroads to be in in one's life. Yes. Yeah. So, and then I eventually, like I mentioned, got on a plane to Columbia and I hung out there that. and started freelancing. It was great. Um, but yeah, so that's when I read The Happiness Project. So it's just, it is very nostalgic for me. <laughs> I love that. But speaking of self-help books, okay, you finally finished the Mark Manson book that like we mentioned in like episode three or whatever. Oh my gosh. Is it that long ago? Yes. I don't know. I did finally finish that book. It was it was one of my goals for this year. <laughs> of course so it was. on track. On track. Well, well done for another this, check in your... Yes. My this. little book that I keep all my goals in. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it also is highly recommended for type threes to read. <laughs> Only under these circumstances would you be like, no, this is a worthy goal to achieve. Like... <laughs> Like at the time you're like, man, I'm listening to this. But now you're like, no, I have to check the boxes of my check three type. <laughs> like, Yes. Well, okay. When, when did you read it? When did you first read this book? See, okay. This was one of my anxieties before going into this recording because I don't even remember. Oh, like, I feel like we... it was when we were doing this podcast though. Okay. Actually, do you mind if I just quickly do the Goodreads things and just like check. genuinely look it up because. Check the Goodreads. Yeah. I also, because I, um, whenever we're putting together the quotes for the Instagram, this book was like the first one I remember ever being in the pile. It was like Harry Potter, this one, and the Daily Stoic. So for me, <laughs> this is like one of the, also it, it's interesting because these books that are like, we've mentioned on the podcast, then obviously we have like the little bookshelf and everything. They lent themselves, not all of them lent themselves as well to like quotes for the Instagram. Yeah, that's true. But this one is, this is the subtle art of not giving a fuck, by the way, if people hadn't figured that out. Um, this one lends itself really well to like the Instagram quotes. Wait, okay, so yeah. I'm going to go on like the, how do I find this? Wait, 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 let me do this on my phone because my phone is quicker. Um, um, sorry, I'm being so difficult. I'm just curious. Anyway, so I, I, don't, <laughs> think, I don't think it matters, but I think it was probably what like, Two years ago now or something? I feel like it was yeah. ages ago. In the window of two to two and a half years ago, I would say. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. So that's when I read it. But do you? Yes. What? Yeah. I started reading it a couple of months ago. Oh, um, you hadn't even started? No. I thought you had no. started and you just kind of like, it didn't grab you or whatever. No, I think I downloaded it and I was like, nah. I wasn't, at the end of last year, I wasn't into reading self-help books. That is true. I was just on a fiction kick. And then at the beginning of this year, I also wasn't into reading self-help books. So it's only been the last like couple of months, I would say, that I've started reading self-help books again. Because like we've talked about before, just the flow of like when I want to be reading self-help mm -hmm. books versus yeah. when I don't want to be doing that changes constantly. So I just got back into a mode where I was reading them. So I made sure to read this one since. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, so one on of my, my list. New favorite quotes is like, things come to you at the right time. Like, I really believe mm. that. I feel like sometimes we're just not ready to hear whatever is being said. So I think it's totally valid to just like do it at your own pace or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely struggled though. So yeah, to get into it a little bit, I started reading this one, I want to say like two or three months ago. Okay. And the first chapter, for anyone that's read this book, this isn't like spoilers or anything like that, but yeah. um, 
The first chapter is really heavily swear words, Mm -hmm. like really, really heavily compared to the rest of the book. I think that he does that on purpose to sort of like shock the reader into like, this is what this book's going to be about. Yeah. Um, Which is fine, but I'm not the kind of person that swears a lot. And so I didn't enjoy reading the first chapter because I just was like, this is unnecessary. Now we're just swearing Mm, a lot. So I actually didn't like the book from the beginning. Like I was like, this is not my kind of book. It's just not my style. Like that's just not the language that talks to me. Mm-hmm. So I really, really didn't like the first chapter and I was just forcing myself to read it. And then as soon as I got to the second chapter and that stopped, I was like, oh, here we go. Now I'll pay attention because I wasn't listening before because I was too busy, like not liking this book. So yeah. it took me to get to the second chapter before I even like considered it seriously. Um, and I do have a lot of highlights. Like I think a lot of the stuff that he said in the book was really good. Mm-hmm. I just think that it's not my kind of book. I, this doesn't actually surprise me. I yeah, I have like this, just to get on to like the swearing topic a little bit, because I think swearing is like really interesting because, see, I think like, I feel like I cannot express in terms that are like easy to understand for people who don't experience it like that, how casual people in Iceland are with swearing. <laughs> and it's almost like it. It's it's kind of meaningless. Like you could say that is totally awesome or that is fucking awesome. And it's a pretty, like, it's pretty much the same phrase. Like, mm. so I used to, and it's weird. You, you, you hear like people with their kids say that. Like it's, it doesn't register as like a, a swear word. Yeah. And I like, so I feel like that's kind of like how I was exposed to things in general. And then obviously living in London, which is very different. And like, <laughs> I remember because I have like, I think I mentioned on the show before, I have like this family um, of people who like live here. And I remember I would like sometimes be pretty casual about saying something like that. And I remember there's this girl who was like a few years younger than me and she'd be like, oh, you said a bad word. And I, <laughs> I would be like, I would find it almost like holier than thou-y. Mm. So I would almost be like, Jeez, you know, like I, I like I just didn't really understand it. But then because I'm I'm pretty like good at like reading people and stuff, but like I feel like I've lived here for so long now and like people don't really swear here. Like swearing is like it has weight here and like it's not used in this casual way. And like you say it with meaning and it has yeah. a lot of meaning and it has a lot of weight. And I think like that's something that I didn't immediately understand. And now I understand it a lot. And I can actually, I'm almost sympathetic to it like the other way around now because I totally see your point about being like, if it's unnecessary, like, why are you? Because I I feel like I'm not really uncomfortable with swearing, but I, I know a lot of people who like, it genuinely puts them out of balance. Like, mm. and I just, I think often there's no need for that. Like, and I think this is kind of what you're saying. It's like, I'm sure this chapter could have been written in a way where there would be no swearing. Um, right. That would have been off-brand for him, but... But, like, but, but I, I totally see, like, because it does genuinely, like, and I feel like I have totally done a 180 on this because I used to be, like, think it was, like, 
people were just being sensitive or whatever. But I've totally changed my mind just because I think I have like this cultural understanding that I didn't have before. Because in Iceland, yeah. it, it really isn't like that. And it's not like we're all like some barbarians who like, <laughs> I know it kind of sounds like we would leave our kids outside and everyone's swearing all the time. Like, it's genuinely <laughs> not like, it's not like that. Like people in Iceland are really like caring and loving as people. But like, it's it's really weird to have this like context in two places because I totally, and now like, I could swear, but I, I kind of choose not to because I don't want to throw people off. And um, yeah, but then there's like this other point was I, I read somewhere where it's like sometimes when people swear, um, especially if they're talking about like their feelings or their like their emotional state, it comes across as more authentic because mm. because it has this weight and because it is almost like representing this off balance that people feel. I could see that. I so, could see that. So like, I feel like if you're like, you're you're in despair and like you're trying to convey something, like I actually think if if you were the kind of person who could potentially swear and you almost like edit yourself not to do it, then you come across as inauthentic. Yeah. If If that makes sense. I don't know if I'm explaining that properly, but like- yeah. Yeah. I think for me, I would only, the only time that I swear is if I am really passionate about something. So yeah. it, either, either direction, passionate in a good way or in a bad way. That's mm-hmm. the only time and only probably with friends and family. But I think it's interesting that you bring up like being raised in Iceland and then living in London too, because I think that swearing is very cultural and it, and not, not just like where you're from, but also how you were raised. Mm-hmm. So it could be different within a culture. But at the same time, I do think it has a lot to do with your upbringing, where you were, what your parents did. So, I mean, probably comes as no surprise to anyone that swearing was heavily discouraged by my parents. Yeah. And so that could like, you know, that explains why I grew up that way. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think that everyone has a different opinion about this and to each their own. It just made me uncomfortable to be reading it so much. And I think that's the other thing is it's different when you're hearing it in someone's voice versus reading. Mm. Like after a little while, I was just like, he's just throwing this word around for fun. Like there isn't even a point. There's no weight to it because he's using it constantly. So then it just seems super meaningless and like fillers a little bit. And I'm kind of like, eh. So I, I didn't find the first chapter helpful at all. It got better. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, I didn't really resonate with him as a person. I think that was my struggle. Like he talks a lot about being really entitled and all these other like experiences that he's had that I haven't really had. So some of his advice I still really, really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have like a lot of highlights from stuff that he said. But I think as a person, I didn't really resonate with him or his stories, which makes it harder to read a book, obviously. Like, I, w- I was yeah. talking about Gretchen Rubin, and I really like her and the way that she lives her life, so it's easier for me to read her books. I, I find that really interesting. It, it, to be honest, it doesn't surprise me that you, you find that, because I think, like, it's interesting, because I remember, I, I don't remember the details in the first chapter versus the next chapters, but, like, it didn't trigger me at all, like, the the swearing. Like, I just... I actually found it like I think if he would have because I'm like he's a talented writer and I've read his blog and stuff as well. Like mm-hmm. I think if he was like saying the same things um, without the swearing, it would have a different meaning. Like, and I think this like so for those who haven't read the book, I, th- I think we should get into the say like spoilers ish. Like if you want to read the book, they could like pause the podcast and come back to it now. But like yeah, um, 
I feel like I don't personally feel like I'm that kind of person exactly, but I feel like I know people who are like that. I feel like people who have like lost themselves in their indulgence, like they drink too much, they like Mm. um, are too like, like they have too many partners, not like by anyone, like, but they, they find it uncomfortable. Like, and I think there's like this phrase he uses in there is he is like, he's a little bit lost. Like he was, like so clearly they're trying to find himself, but the way he would do it was like, oh, a new country will solve my problem or a new like girl will solve my problem or just ha- go to one more party will solve my problem because it was amazing the first couple of times he did it, but then he got just bored with it. And I feel like I definitely know people like that. So I feel like maybe it did, like I I, I wasn't like thrown off by like the language or the stories, but mm. I can see yeah. how like, Maybe it's just like different experiences, also like a cultural thing. And maybe it's like because I live in a city, like, so I feel like maybe this is more of the type of people you can come across kind of thing. Yeah. And I mean, I think for some people, this will be a very powerful book. And I think for others, but I think it's like that with every book, like, and it's Mm -hmm. like that with all the personality tests that we were talking about, where like Myers-Briggs doesn't resonate with us, but your friend has a spreadsheet where she keeps all of her (laughs) test results and it's huge for her. Right. And so I think it's the same thing. I don't think every self-help book like should necessarily help you or will necessarily help you. I think that they're Mm -hmm. all for like different people at different times in their lives. And maybe later on it will help. But I also think that for this book in particular, I do think there were a lot of things related to stoicism oh um i th- i found a lot of similarities mm-hmm. and i i was looking it up and i'm not the only one that thought that so i did think that some of this stuff i was like well i've thought about this already because uh, you know of our obsession with the daily stoic yeah. so i also i also found that with this book but maybe what i would say too is for people that haven't been able to read stoicism books because they find them too dry this would definitely not be dry so <laughs> this is like more you colorful know, yeah if you're that person that you've been like oh daily stoic haven't been able to get into it like maybe this is a good option <laughs> yeah i also think this is like true because okay so to get a little bit messy like people are always like oh everyone's gonna podcast now whatever but i actually think this is true for like podcasts and self-help books and youtube channels mm-hmm. and whatever i think like i would have loved as like a 14 15 year old to find somebody who like I resonate really strongly with. And I think like Mark Manson is such a person like, and I like people who are really clear about who they are. And I think your friend Gretchen Rubin. I would love for Gretchen Rubin to be my friend, but yeah. (laughs) Because I think it's so helpful to have these like strong, um, or people who are just clear in who they are. And that comes with upsides and downsides because I think, it's so helpful, like just for anyone, but especially like younger people to be like, I saw this quote from like RuPaul, <laughs> who, the great <laughs> philosopher RuPaul, who's like, I think this is why like kids are so obsessed with music because they don't know how to communicate who they are, but they are able to point to an artist and be like, they're saying what I want to say. Like, right. they're like, they get me like this artist gets me. And this is why I like, there are all these camps of like, I like this person more. Yeah, I like this person more. But like, I think it's good to have loads of different types of artists and loads of different types of books. And because different people find themselves in like different chapters. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So Mark Manson is probably that person for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of interesting though. Who were, who are some of your other like people that you just like following? Cause I kind of have a, a list in my head of mine. Okay. 
For me, Mark Manson and Ryan Holiday are very mm. similar. I feel like the stoicism. Uh, see, this is what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. <laughs> yeah, I've been following like Ryan, and I feel like I also came across them around like the same time. Nice. So, like for me, I used to like read them. I feel like blogs are not so much a thing anymore. I feel like I used to read both of their blogs a lot. Now I don't really. I don't, I don't know if it's changed or something. I read Ryan Holiday's newsletter, his email newsletter, which is really good. Yeah, I I feel like, I think, I don't know if it was you or not. I feel like Ryan Holiday has a little bit of the problem sometimes that you're just talking about with Mark Manson. And it's really weird because for sometimes for me, I totally am okay with it. And sometimes Ryan Holiday kind of annoys me a little bit, like his style. <laughs> See, and that's the thing, like no one's going to be perfect for yeah. all of this. But I, I do love Ryan Holiday too. Like sometimes Ryan Holiday is a bit like, He's a bit like, I did everything the right way. Mm. And it's like, here's the obvious thing to do. And you're a bit like, well, I'm not 19 and I don't live in LA and I can't start working for American Apparel. So like already I can't relate if that makes sense. And like, I sometimes find the way he like frames things is very kind of like, I did it this way and that's what you should aim for. And I totally respect his perspective and I find it really insightful, but sometimes I find it like a little bit to like, I've done things the right way. And would you not- say condescending? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say that. So, because I have a problem with people who are condescending in their writing as well. I think that being condescending, I feel like it resonates with some people, which is why some writers are doing it, or maybe that's just how they naturally are. But yeah. I, I did read a book, well, I started reading a book last year and it was so condescending that I had to put it down and oh, I don't wow. do this often but I read I rated it like two stars on Goodreads for that oh. reason <laughs> I actually I think this is actually a little bit the the rabble in me because I find that I'm extremely sensitive to articles and books and stuff on the internet that are like telling me what to do Yes, I like you it, have to do this. This is the only way. I, I almost find it like triggering and I wish there was some kind mm. of like Chrome extension I could install to like just <gasps> block this specific type of content. But it's like, here's why you should wake up at five o'clock every morning. Mm, and I'm yeah. like, I first like, I think it's maybe because like I would want to like do well because I'm like ambitious and I want to do the right things and that kind of thing. But I am like, and especially with the, like, when people are telling other people how to live their lives, I'm like, you don't have research to back this up. You don't know people's situation in life. You don't know what you're like. I feel like people are too free with giving recommendations when they don't know the context around the person they're talking to and the audience they're talking to. Yes. Okay. This is so huge. This is actually a part of a lot of the way that um, we've done like writing at Buffer when yeah. we share what we do as a company, we always just share it like that. Like, this is what's working for us right now. And these are the problems that we had. And this is why we're doing this. And I cannot tell you how often people ask me, well, do you think that everyone should do transparent salaries? And I'm like, no, it's not for everyone. Like, I think they're mm-hmm. expecting me to be like prescriptive and to be like, yes, I believe that every company should put their salaries in a spreadsheet and share it on the internet like we do. And it's, it's not like that because you don't know everyone's situation. And like, we, I think it's, it's interesting that we're having this conversation too, right around when we were talking about all the different tests, mm-hmm. because you can't be prescriptive about, you know, everyone needs to wake up at 5am when you have all of these different types of personalities and that might not mm-hmm. work for them, you know? Yeah. And then as like these, like my, 
my life has been filled with all these like personality tests and or quizzes. I don't know what you want to call it. Like anyway, there's like categorization of people basically is I think this gives you like one axis, but I think it's like this is one of them. Then you also have another yeah. one, which is like, like I'm sure there could be a type seven who's an upholder. And oh yeah, yeah. And I'm sure, and also like I think things like what country are you from, or did you grow up in a city or in the country, or are you a morning right. person or evening person? Like I think there are so many different axes. So like. Just because you fit something in one way doesn't mean that describes your whole person. And I don't know, I'm exactly so sensitive now to like when people, t- and I think we've had the same with the podcast. I like, we didn't want to be like, here's how you should work and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We're more like, okay, this is something I found work for me. And also my parents actually talk about this a lot when there's, if they're stating opinion, they often add now behind it. Yeah, yeah. So like, I think this now, so it's like giving the information available to me at this point, I think this makes sense. What's built into the statement is this is subject to change. If any of my um, reasons or things I've taken into account change, then my conclusion might not be the same anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's the thing, that's the like caution that you have to go into when we're doing these kinds of tests is like, well, this isn't who you, this isn't 100% of who you are. Yeah. This is just a part of it. So yeah, I totally agree. And again, it all comes back to learning about yourself. And there are a lot of different parts of you that you can learn about. And, you know, all these different tests are just like little pieces of the puzzle and you have to figure the rest out yourself. But Mm -hmm. um, I I just, I do find it really valuable. And so, yeah. Yeah. Was there any specific um, thing within Mark Manson's book that you liked or like a takeaway or a way of thinking that you hadn't considered? Because since you did finish it and you just did like, you weren't obsessed with it, but like you did say you found some things and they're valuable. Yeah, I do have a lot of highlights. I do, I did think, like, I highlighted a lot of things in my in my Kindle because I thought that a lot of the things that he talked about were still really interesting. And I don't think I've read a book before by someone who is, who, like, he started out as a, like a, like a relationships writer, like a, a dating writer, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. I think that's kind of interesting because he did talk about, like, dating and relationships. And I have never read any books about dating and relationships that oh. I was like, oh, wow, this is kind of cool. So I some of the stuff I highlighted is just because like this is the first time I'm reading about this. But for some of his things, um, yeah, like there's this whole section where he talks about like when our highest priority is to always make ourselves feel good or to always make our partner feel good, then nobody ends up feeling good. And our relationship falls apart without us even knowing it. Without conflict, there can be no trust. And so then he talks about like for a healthy relationship, for a relationship to be healthy, both people must be willing and and both say no and hear no. So without that negation, without the occasional rejection, boundaries break down and one person's problems and values come to dominate the others. So I think it was interesting because he does, he does talk about a lot about like conflict and how healthy conflict is. And that's just never something that I've read before. I know it's out there, but I just haven't actively sought that out. So I, I really liked, I really liked that whole section. Yeah, I also feel like what I took away with it as well was how I feel like he came into things a lot from like a negative or something, but he was able to 
show how that was actually a positive. And I think I already quoted like, and just like this accepting the conflict or accepting the kind of hurdle or the, you know, the rejection within a relationship, like, a sm- you know, that kind of thing. It actually improves it overall. And like, and it's actually interesting to talk about that in comparison with the happiness project, because I feel like people are sometimes so focused on like being happy as like this yeah. eternal state, like that you can just somehow check off and now congratulations, you've won it live. You're happy for the rest of your life. And he's very much talking about like, that's just bullshit. like, <laughs> like things yeah. don't work that way. Like, and if you aim for that, or if you set that as your goal, you'll just instantly fail and you will actually end up becoming worse off. So actually accepting that like to achieve happiness or whatever, there are negative aspects and there's conflict and actually the way to get better and the way to progress is sometimes like the only way out is through kind of attitude. Yes. Yeah. So I liked that whole conversation that he had too. I have some quotes highlighted that were really good. Um, One of them, he, he says is, remember, nobody who is actually happy has to stand in front of a mirror and tell himself that he's happy. <laughs> and then um, one of the other ones was like, don't hope for a life without problems. There's no such thing. Instead, hope for a life full of good problems. And then he talks about how happiness comes from solving problems. Yeah. So I did, I did like all of that. I feel like there was this one point that I'm trying to articulate in my brain, but, but it's because it's been a while, so maybe you can help me. Um, I feel like he also talks about almost how like uh, what seems like a negative can really bring out the positive. And it's almost like like the way he talks about like commitment, like if you're younger and you're a bit more like um, associated with lots of different people, you think that's the dream. But actually by like committing to one person, which is like in a way like rejecting everyone. Oh, yeah. Like you actually, there's actually a lot of freedom in that because you're actually... Um, it opens you up to all these other things. And with work as well, it's like if you're trying to do everything, you end up doing nothing. Like, Yes. And so actually yeah. what seems like a rejection, what seems like it's a bad word or like a bad thing, you're actually creating space for the things that you truly prioritize. And I think the way he kind of talked about it, even though I don't remember exactly the details of how you phrased it, I remember that kind of concept or ideas really stuck with me to like, it's okay to say when you're not happy about something and it's okay to address it. Like, obviously you don't have to be a jerk about it, but (laughs) acknowledging that there's a problem when there actually is a problem is actually, it brings you to a better place and it brings everyone there faster as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I have both of those sections highlighted too. He talked (laughs) about, he says, basically the more options we're given, the less satisfied we become with whatever we choose because we're aware of all the other options we're potentially forfeiting. And then the other quote from him is there's a freedom and liberation in commitment. So I agree. Those were both really, really good. Okay. I have two quotes and then I think, (laughs) so we're not going to get in trouble for like um, stealing too much of it, but like one, and I'm sure this is actually like popped up on our Instagram already is um, I've chosen to reject all, but the very best people and experiences and values in my life. Mm. I love that because like you're choosing the best thing. And then the other one is commitment gives you freedom because you're no longer distracted by the unimportant and the frivolous. Which I also yes. really liked. So, you know, 
not maybe not for everyone, but still definitely some good things in there. And maybe yeah. for a lot of people, I mean, he is very successful. So mm-hmm. I, a lot of people do like his stuff. I'm not saying that he's not good at what he does. It just didn't resonate with me. Yeah. But I think uh, speaking about people like we follow, like I think we both follow the Cortex podcast. Obviously, we mentioned it like a hundred times. Um, there was a phrase that um, Gray said about like nonfiction books as well, which is, I think that's also really stuck with me. It's like, just extract the value for you from it. Like, yeah, you don't have to. And especially with these like nonfiction books, like as we often said, sometimes we're not ready to hear the message. Sometimes there's only one thing that really resonates with us. Like where we don't owe it to the book to read it. Like, and it's totally okay just to take the bits that actually fit with you and, and just dis- disregard the rest kind of thing. Absolutely. So, Speaking of books, mm-hmm. you alluded to this earlier. Yeah, but you're doing some you're doing some book clubs. You were you're alluding <laughs> to this because you are upholding. Uh, well, you were meeting outer expectations, which is the obliger, and uh, <laughs> by reading these books for the book clubs. So I know nothing about this. Tell me more about your book club experiences. Okay, so hilariously, I have somehow found myself in a book club in Iceland. Where you do not live anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I don't know how much detail you care about or the people care about, but like, I actually think it's pretty interesting. So I might just tell you the story of the book club. Um, Yeah. I'm always here for a good story. (laughs) Uh, So I don't know if it's a good story. I think it's just more of the context. So um, I, as I'm sure the listeners know, like do go to Iceland quite often. And I do know the people in what you would maybe call the startup community or the entrepreneurial scene or whatever word you like um, in Iceland pretty well because I've just been in and around that for ages. And a couple of years ago, uh, there was this website launch that's called Northstack. And they basically um, are kind of just the industry update newspaper about the startup scene in Iceland. Talk about niche. (laughs) (laughs) So they're like, if somebody exits or somebody like goes under or whatever, like they would be the one to report that. And it's actually, I think it's really valuable just for people to like, if they're interested in that, like there's just one place where they can kind of know they're going to get all the relevant updates. And I was obviously on this email list and the people who are like a part of the North Stack website and the kind of community around it, I kind of like know of some of them, like, but like not really that well. And then I don't even remember. Suddenly I just got invited to this like book club or whatever. I don't even really remember (laughs) how it came about, but I don't know if this happened in person or something because I genuinely just don't don't remember. But before I knew it, I was a part of this book club and they always, they always say, and it's in English, like all the copy and everything is in English. So like, if people want to read it, um, like this is accessible to like English speakers. Um, and they always say like remote joining available. And I was ah. like, I had never thought about this. And this is like, maybe this is like the Slytherin in me because I like didn't want to tell anyone about this because I thought it was like so dorky <laughs> to be like remote joining a book club within the tech industry. Oh and like, my gosh. we've been reading like... Um, product management books is actually like my job and it's actually really interesting because um we don't really talk super deeply about like I work a lot with developers and I work as a product manager so I there's this whole other side of me where it's like me and engineers basically most of the time um 
And it's actually really interesting to have more of a like a social network interaction in that space. Yeah. Um, so it's totally valuable to me. And I have, it's one of these things where I like, I was like invited and I would like go if I could, whatever. But now it's become like a priority. Like the last um, book club, I was the one who had to suggest which book to read. And um, yeah, and the last one also, like the last one I attended or two times ago, I was actually in Iceland. So I attended it in person. And they were all like, happy, you're so three-dimensional. <laughs> that's so cute. <laughs> yeah, so, um, and I've actually found, I, I've it's really sweet. And I'm getting these like uni vibes from it. Like, I feel like I have homework in this like kind of cute way Aww. where I'm like, oh, I have to finish my book quickly. Like before, like, because I don't want to be like, haven't finished it. Um, and then, yeah. Through this kind of little community, it's pretty small. And I actually like it small. I feel like if it'd be too big, like, like you you have different conversation when it's just a few of you versus when it's like a big group. And it's Uh, more difficult to have those conversations when it's a big group. Yeah. So it's not very big, but I actually, like, I think that's like a feature, not a bug to bring up like an um, engineering joke. And then... Through this kind of community of people, uh, somebody just shared on like the Facebook group where we like coordinate that um, there's this book club called Rebel Book Club. Oh, and it's very appropriate. That's, Actually, that's I just very appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I looked it up, and they have this is the beauty of living in London because like as soon as anyone does any live things, it's always there's always going to be one in London. So I um, joined. Um, this like rebel book club and it's it's like a paid thing but like they give you vouchers to buy the books on amazon and if you go to the live events there's like drinks and food and stuff there so it's like cute it's like paid but i think it's almost just like so people don't oversubscribe so like the people who are right are committed kind of thing was i i I i'm serious about it yeah and i've only ever attended that one one time and it was interesting the book they that as like the homework is called all the ghosts in the machine mm. and that's totally like uh i was like the last day like totally like reading like this one chapter quicker <laughs> and stuff um totally, i was literally i was like i felt like i was like a teenager again it was actually kind of sweet um and what was completely unbeknownst to me because i had never attended any of their events i didn't really know anything about this is i intended and that was like, they were celebrating their four-year birthday. So they oh. are like a big deal. And they have like a Medium article about being like, oh, starting a book club made me read more books in a year or whatever from the founder. Uh, was like, I can find it for the show notes. But what had happened completely by chance was that one of the members of this book club in this like four-year space ended up writing a book, publishing the book, and that through no kind of Jigging ended up being the book that was picked. Ah, uh, and that was the like that was her book. So like the author was there, and oh, she cool. basically gave like a lecture, like in relation to it. And the book was kind of about like how on social media we don't really know how to deal with like death yet because like if you die, does your partner or your parents get access to your social media and all that? So it was like really like thought provoking questions. And I totally realized this about myself that like having this like social obligation to read something (laughs) 
it's a very good way to get me to read something. <laughs> because when it's just for me, I'm just kind of like, meh, my interest in this is like limited. Mm. So yeah, that's my yeah. book club experience. Cute. I am not in a book club. <laughs> I feel like you don't need to. You already I have don't this, need like, a book club. Inner tick, tick, tick. Like, um. <laughs> I'm also, I don't, like, we haven't talked about this, but since we're divulging personality traits, I am also, like, impatient with other people. So if we were to be like, hey, Habby, do you prefer to play team sports or solo sports? What would your answer be? See, I don't really like sports at all. So I feel like there's... I struggle with this metaphor. (laughs) Okay. I struggle with this because also I feel like I never liked sports. So I wouldn't want to be on team sports because I wouldn't want to let anybody else down. Okay. I'm sort of the opposite. I don't want to be on team sports because I don't want anyone else to let me down. (laughs) (laughs) See, this doesn't surprise me. And I feel like I already know this about you. Well, yeah, because it's almost like the book club is like a team sport of reading, right? Like there's a group of you and you're all doing it together and it's great. And... I think it's really cute. I cannot be in book clubs because if anyone doesn't read the book, I would be annoyed or like, I want to be on my own path. Like if I read the book really quickly and I want to go on to to the second, they're like, oh, we're not reading that one until November. Like, no, I wouldn't be on board with that. So I am very much, uh, well, and also my hobbies include fighting people one-on-one. So I am not a team sport player. I have a team of other people that do that with me, but we don't aren't doing it at the same time. Anyways, so I think I'm like that with books too. Like I want to read it alone. See, because I feel like this is actually opening something else for me. It's like, I get this feeling all the time. It's like, as soon as I finish a book, if I really like it, the first thing I want to do is I want to talk to someone about it. And I think this goes to like my personality type. I'm like social and I'm like extroverted and I understand things by having conversations so like I find it almost frustrating if I finish a book and it's really good and I'm like what do I do with this now and I actually think this spills over into like why I like writing and why I have a podcast it's like I just want to be in conversations about something whatever it is if I like it and I'm if I'm into it so I actually think like mm. yeah and and also I just find it really interesting because for me it's almost like that book about the like social media and dying, whatever, I am like, I'm happy to have read the book to be able to have the conversations afterwards. For me, it's almost like a, a ticket to the conversation kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. I feel like I'm sort of in between the two when it comes to books. I have some friends that I talk to about books because we both read them, but yeah. not because we're reading them at the same time. And then mm-hmm. I have other books that like no one ever knows that I've read that book unless they're following me on Goodreads and I don't need to talk to anyone about it. I'm just like happy in my own little bubble. But I think it depends on the it depends on the book. But I thought that was interesting just because you're talking about book clubs and I'm like, yes, I am definitely... I don't know. I'm not a book club person. We had a book club for a little while um, at work. Yeah. And I joined. We don't anymore. But the first oh, book that I ever read with the book club, I didn't like. Oh. I, I don't, and so I was like, oh, no, I'm I'm not on board with this. <laughs> so I, I think the genre was just not my genre. See, I feel like this is a really delicate balance because I... As when I figured out that I actually like it, I feel like also I'm able to understand why I like it more because of all this conversation about personality and whatever, uh, even though it yeah. is a bit dorky. Like, it, <laughs> I also, I like social things that are not just like a party. Like, I, do you know, like, I like having someone yeah. to go and meet people and talk to them and it doesn't always have to be like a, 
And actually, I also realized this other thing when I attended the book club in London. I love, I love attending an event where the first question isn't like, what do you do for work? Yeah. And it was actually so interesting because it opened up like this whole new part of London. Like I was speaking for an hour or two hours with this lady who we got along super well. She works in like, they don't even have Twitter. Like, what? <laughs> and they were talking because people, this is another like, I think they're like, personality trait I like the least in people is when they do like the holier than thou like they think they better than something because like a lot of the people when it was like about social media they were like well I just stay off social media you know and I'm like whatever mm. look at you on your high horse over there whatever like I just find that uninteresting because like you can't take it anywhere and I was like well I use Twitter <laughs> pretty extensively and Instagram <laughs> stories and I have a website and a podcast I'm like I'm on the other end of the spectrum to like basically everyone in there and they were like well I wouldn't want my employer to see like my dumb tweets I was like well my employer certainly sees all of my dumb tweets and uh, they it doesn't impact like you're still employed <laughs> still employed. <laughs> but then they work for like pharmacies or something they work in like this health medicine sector and oh. I'm like okay actually I see like you but I just found it was like this whole new world where like people aren't even on Twitter Haley are you can you believe it? I can. I can believe it. I know a lot of people like that. <laughs> I mean, my essentially entire family and friend group didn't think that I had a real job when I started being on the internet for work. Like, it's pretty just from my laptop. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I get it. And when I was freelancing, I was doing social media management. So I was like on Facebook and people were like, oh, you're working? Like, quote unquote. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm, I, I am working. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. That's so cool. I can totally see how you fit right in with a book club. Yeah. I think that for me, it has to be, I, I think that maybe I've just never had a book club experience that I, yeah, where I am like in charge of picking the book or like help out with, pick, or you have any say whatsoever with picking the book. And then it's like the right genre for me. I feel like I would either have to go like super hardcore fantasy fiction mm -hmm. book club would be me or like self-improvement, but we meet every six months. <laughs> But I feel like we do this. We we talk about books and we talk about them when we want to and the books yeah. we will talk about. It's like, it's maybe not a book club, but it's like, I feel like we have that relationship though. Yeah. And well, also we've read the books sort of on our own and then we talk about them together. Like the perfect example is the Mark Manson book we were talking about today where you read it two and a half years ago <laughs> and I just finished it and we're talking about it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then like, I feel like f fiction is a little bit different because... Like, unless it has, like, a cult following, like, Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings or something like that. Like, like I often, like, I can read a fiction. And I'm like, oh, that's a good one. And, like, I could recommend it to someone. But I don't have a need to be like, did you see when they, like, went there and then they went there? And, oh, my God. Like, I uh, mm. I wouldn't like that. I, I think, like, more non-fiction-y is better for book club. Because it's, like, you're just talking about something. Like, it's just a conversation about um, something that's happening in the world. Like, the last one we did at, like, my Icelandic book club was... Um, We've, we read a book um, written by a Saudi princess. Mm. So good. I got so pulled into it. I I didn't think I would like it because I thought it would just be like super depressing because like everyone's depressed and then people's hands get cut off if they steal things. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. like it's pretty intense. But like the story is told really well. And like the characters are like, I anyway, it's like I really got a lot from it. And then like reading 
a story about something like that is just like a really interesting like prism to look at like what's our society whatever and like that conversation was so interesting to me and this book is like one of a trilogy but there's actually four books and then I was also sick and I ended up reading like all, all four books <laughs> like pretty quickly so I was like oh wow like I think I'm just more interested in like the real world I think I'm learning this about myself like yeah. When it's fiction, I'm like, this is all kind of made up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm into that. <laughs> I know some but people I actually love it. S- saw those books on your Goodreads and marked them as want to read because they do look really cool. They're really interesting. Yeah. I definitely, I could, I could, it was actually interesting. And that's what I found interesting about the book club as well, because some of the people at the book club were struggling with it because there's like, it's quite graphic in terms of like violence and, um, oh. And things like that. But I feel like normally I am really sensitive to especially like, you know, you know, sexist violence or whatever. But like, I still found it really interesting. And I also found it just really interesting to be like, okay, what does a super oppressed society look like? Like, what does it actually look like from the inside? And also it's this contrast because like the society is oppressed, but she's a princess. So she's like this like she has all of the money in the world. And it's just like, I found right. it so fascinating to get this like inside. And also she's a bit of a rebel. Like the, her name is Princess Sultana. <sighs> so I think I like liked her. For that. What's the book called? Have we said that yet? I think it's literally called Princess. Okay. A true story, Saudi, blah, blah, blah. It's not a very good title. But if you Google like Princess Sultana, and we'll put links in the show notes. Um, well, yeah, we'll put, we'll put the link in for that one. <laughs> yeah. But I really enjoyed that book or like, even though, or I found it, I'm glad that I've read it. Like, and I even like, liked it. It's pretty easy to read it. It's not like those nonfiction books that sometimes just get like really like tedious and like explaining things. Yeah. Was this a good lead into the fact that we're kind of starting a book club? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I may not know a lot about like segways, but I feel like I I can't even imagine a better one. (laughs) Yeah. Honesty. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Also, my feelings about book clubs are different when it comes to our own book club, where I'm heavily involved <laughs> in choosing the book. Haley's <laughs> okay with the clubs, but she's the boss. <laughs> yeah. I don't even want to get into what that means. <laughs> let's let's just, not dig into no, that let's one. Let's <laughs> just skip over it. So, what, Haley, tell me everything about this book club you're proposing. Well, it was your idea. <laughs> No, I mean, we do talk about books a lot. Yeah, yeah. We do talk about books a lot on the show, so it kind of just feels like it makes sense. Um, And also, we both just happened to want to read this book, and it was on our to-read list, and neither of us had read it. So Mm -hmm. we thought it could be fun to, for one thing, read it at the same time, but for another, let everyone know ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening to this, the plan is for our next episode to be about the book that we're going to read. So Mm -hmm. you could read it between now and then, in theory. Yes. And then also because I think I've made it pretty clear, like I sometimes think like the conversations are so interesting because I actually often think like, you don't have to love the book. Like it's okay to get something from the book, even though you don't love the book. Or, and I found on the podcast, it's nicer not just to like mention the books we're reading, but to actually talk about them and like what we liked and what we didn't like. So I think I'm really excited about this. And if people on Twitter are like reading along, we could include like feedback, like as we're having the conversation on the show. Yes, exactly. So we'll send out a tweet. But if you're reading this, if you're reading the book before the next episode has come out, definitely send us your thoughts. 
Yes. Should we do a, a, a big reveal? Yeah. So what book are we reading, Haley? Hold on. We have to like, when I say big reveal, I mean like. No, I'm going to cut this off. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you would. I knew you would hate it. <laughs> I'm thinking about the people with the headphones. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> but now it's funny. So, so now I might have to include it. <laughs> <laughs> there's also a dog barking in the background. I'm sorry. Oh, so there's a little so break here. Cut, I understand. Um, okay. The book is The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. So what do you know about this book already? Like, why are you interested in it? Ooh, I don't know very much about this book. So I've, I have had a lot of different people in my life tell me about how much they've enjoyed it. And the one thing that I know about this book is the concept of morning pages and writing a lot in the morning and sort of getting all your thoughts out. That's like the only thing I know about this book. <laughs> this is literally so, the only thing I know as well. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I, I am going to be honest, this book was unappealing to me for a really long time because I don't consider myself an artist. But then I actually came into the realization a little while ago that I was um, like a writer, even though we had that writing episode. I don't know. I was just like, no, I just write for work. But I also keep a personal blog and have written for a couple of different publications. And I was like, oh, okay. There's a, you know, I'm comfortable saying that that's a part of who I am. I don't know why that was so difficult, but I do think that I've never. would Would you call yourself a creative? No. No. But then I realized that I am. But again, like those words, like I wouldn't describe myself as an artist. I wouldn't describe myself as someone who creates or a writer, but I do all those things. I just, I don't know, it wasn't a part of my identity. So I think I've shied away from those, this book for that reason, but it really has received so much, like just so many really good reviews. I know so many people that love this book and I do write and that's what this book is about. So I think it's important, but okay. So you know the same amount that I know about this book. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, I also think, like, I know this sounds so shallow, but, like, I don't like the cover. And for the longest time, it wasn't available on Kindle. And I was like, nah, this book is not making it easy for me. But, like, (laughs) it's it's been talked about so much. And because I've struggled, I definitely would not call myself an artist. And I have a lot of conversations within people in the music industry where artist is also used for the people who do the music. And I'm always like, right. oh, I'm not an artist. Like, and I'm really clear about that. Like, I'm not an artist. I have no aspirations to be an artist. I've never had those aspirations either, which I think is what makes me good at the other stuff because I'm not like envious of like the talent. Um, I just think I have different skills. Saying all that, I've probably always had a blog. Like I had a blog yeah. when I was 10 and when I was 15. Like, you know, I've always had this outlet I write for myself. Like I write publicly as well, but I, I've i kind of accepted that a lot of the notes and stuff I have is just like part of my process because I like to, yeah. that's just how I think things through. And interestingly, I've actually not told you this. I've actually realized a lot of the things that I have kind of thought through in this process by writing, we've ended up talking about on the podcast <laughs> in one way or another. So it's actually nice to feel like that work has kind of like, it's more like process work than it should go out in the world kind of work, which has been a really helpful distinction for me. Um, Yeah. So, but writing is definitely something I have just, I just like it. I like writing. I like reading. I like reading what other people write. I like 
reading about writing, like <laughs> it goes in all the different circles. All um, the things. And so the artist way just seems like my friend was really taken by the morning pages concept and it really had a big impact on her life. So it's something that has um, been something that I've known about for a while. So yeah, I feel like why not just try it? Maybe I don't like it, but I also bought, I feel like I should just be honest with people. Like I bought the workbook on Amazon. Oh, I didn't know there was a workbook. No, so I don't I don't think that's necessary. Like, um, but I just I felt like I wanted the full experience. Um, whatever. Wow. Yeah, I I bought the physical copy of the book. So yeah. I didn't buy the workbook, but I, I did buy the physical copy, which I feel like is unusual for me, but I just yeah, but then you can like scribble in sites and stuff, I guess. Exactly. If, because I think I sort it's of quite like exercise and that kind of thing. That's why I bought the workbook, yeah. because I prefer reading on the I just accept that if if I have a physical book, I probably will not read it. Same. If you give me a physical book, I probably won't read it. I'll, it will go on my bookshelf. It'll look really nice. Unless it's the Enneagram yeah. book, it's never coming off that bookshelf. <laughs> the Enneagram book is literally next to my sofa, so I can like flip through it. Um, yeah, and so it's like available if somebody comes over. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm actually, I'm actually. But okay, actually speaking, I feel like this is like a little bow on the end of this whole episode. Like, I feel like I probably wouldn't read The Artist's Way unless it was in some program like this. Do you, do you know what I Same. mean? Yeah, I wouldn't read this if it weren't like someone else was reading this with me and I was expected to read it. I, I would yeah. just leave it on my bookshelf. And and it's weird because this comes back to like, because this is why I think I am actually a bit the obliger uh, because like I will have read it by the time we next record. And I know that, like, I would not be like, oh, Haley, we're recording. And I just didn't finish reading it. Like that is not going <laughs> to happen. Yeah. So I think I, but saying that if you would have given me the same time frame and you would have just been like, happy, I want you to have finished this book by like the next five weeks or whatever. I would just not, I would probably not even open it. Like, yeah. I yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Same. Yeah. Same. Yeah. So read along, read The Artist's Way if you would like to. And if not, just listen to us talk about it before you want to read yeah. about it next episode. That's fine too. Yeah. I don't think but this yeah. book is very spoilery. I think it's just kind of like themes and stuff they talk about. Yeah. I think so too. So if you don't want to read it, I think you can totally listen along next time. Yeah. I think that's fair. Or if you've already read us, read it, let us know. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Somehow that didn't cross my mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one has read it. It just got published in 2012 and people are discovering it with us. I mean, that no, might be the case, but at the same time, like there's a strong chance that some people have read it. But I feel like this is one of these books that everyone wants to have read. <laughs> but mm. nobody actually wants to sit down and read it. <laughs> That's such a good category of books. <laughs> I feel like sometimes you see somebody go on like a good truth speed is like, Wanna read, wanna read, wanna read. And it's all just like, <laughs> it's that poor dad. And like all these books that oh I was like, <laughs> yeah, I know I should probably have read that book at some point, but I haven't. And I'm not interested enough to like commit Sapiens. to it. <laughs> Sapiens, another one. Sapiens, factfulness. Probably did, Daily Stoic, probably a lot of people. I don't know. I feel like the people who like the Daily Stoic are also the people who read the Daily Stoic. I don't know if it I has a lot a, of like aspirational, or maybe, I don't know. I think there is a big group of people that haven't actually read it, but that think about reading it. <laughs> oh, maybe. Maybe it's the kind of people who are like, oh, I will have to start on the 1st of January because otherwise 
It's true. That's people like me, and I understand <laughs> you, and you don't have to do that. But I understand if you wait until January. I, I, I would, I would, I did it that way as well. I would do it that way. Yeah. I would be so confused otherwise. Okay, are we? Do we have anything to add about? God, I don't think we've ever recorded for this long. Really. <laughs> I don't know if we've ever recorded for this long either. I think we just have shout outs. I think that's it. Shout outs. Okay. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with your shout out? Okay. I have two shout outs. This Actually, time. yeah, the first two are you. So, so, um, when I was in Iceland, I ended up having a conversation with my boss about the podcast. That was really interesting. <laughs> and then he was flying over Canada and he was like, treat her well, listen to the podcast. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and he was being like, How'd y'all not think about NORADs when you're talking about like Haley's bad audio busting yeah. sounds? He made uh, a little bit of fun of us for not thinking of that. It was an afterthought, but it's fine. Yeah. He has a good point. But I, so also I think it's actually interesting in the context of like the people who work in this like health industry are like, oh, I wouldn't want to post anything on Twitter in case my boss saw it. And my boss is like making fun of us. As we <laughs> too Um, good so yeah so that one and then um this like melted my heart a little bit because i woke up this morning and i checked twitter or it was actually when i woke up but but like this morning when i checked twitter um martin who's moving because obviously we're twitter friends so i know everything that he posts on twitter (laughs) to this beautiful house by the way if the photos are anything to go by and he's packing with his daughter and they're listening to my playlist. And that made me super emotional. That was so sweet. So yeah. that was a special shout out for that. Um, yeah. So those I are my it. two ones. Yes. And one of the ones for me is we had shared this on Twitter. So, but I'll also add the link to the show notes. I did a podcast interview about podcasting. And I mentioned <laughs> and now we're talking about it on the podcast. And now we're talking about it on the podcast. There's just a lot going on here. <laughs> and yeah, I got to chat about Make Work Work a bit, which I think counts as our first ever interview about the podcast, which yeah. is kind of crazy. So it's with Feed Your Brand, but I will link to it in the show notes if it's something that you want to listen to or read through because they did a full transcription. So that was really great. Hey, maybe we should do a full transcript of our episodes. What do you think? <laughs> That would be a nightmare. I'm Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> I can't even tell you how strongly I feel about this. It would be like, first of all, neither of us would do this. So we would have to pay for transcription services. It would be so expensive. I'm sure that there are like free transcribers, but they probably wouldn't get it right because there's a lot of like mumbling and laughter and like, <laughs> that would be a nightmare. It would just be like giggles, giggles, giggles. Yeah, <laughs> Something giggles about again. the Enneagram. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry if you wanted a transcription of this podcast. This is just audio only. I don't mean to crush any dreams, but I am not interested in transcribing. I, I it was so cool though because I this is like a this is like a full on interview. This is not like three questions mm. and plus yeah. there's an interview. This is like it goes really in depth with like Haley's podcast on the Buffer. No, Haley's work on the Buffer podcast, and then I love that we are like the edgy side. Yeah, we are. We're like, <laughs> she's like, oh, so this is totally different. I was like, yes, yes, it is. <laughs> so it was I, great. And she listened to Make Work Work. So this is where, if you were following along on Twitter or Instagram stories, because I posted this one to both, mm-hmm. this is where this came up. So she listened to a Make Work Work episode before the interview, and she listened to us on 1.5 oh. speed. So this is where that question came from, where I was like, are other people doing this? And it turns out there were a lot of other people doing this. Yeah. So either, I feel like our audience either had no idea that people did this and were appalled or were the people that did this 
and thought that it was amazing. So it was hilarious. But yeah, she was the one that listened to us at a really high speed. What was actually hilarious about that one is like, before we published the episodes, I had like yet another like imposter syndrome slash perfectionist like, really? like, are you sure this episode is ready? I feel like we're talking really quickly on this one. And, <laughs> and then we like went on Twitter and people were like, yeah, I'll speed this to like one, <laughs> one oh and a half. Oh my gosh. I was I like, know. okay, maybe I don't have to worry about like us being too quickly on the podcast. People are able to adjust the speed as they please. Yeah, I do not listen to us or any podcasts on that speed. But you know what? To each their own. If that is your listening preference. I also like, I feel like there's two types of people where you could maybe ask people on the Twitter which type they are because I feel like there's the people who are almost like in that, like in podcast that, like they're trying to catch up with all the episodes they want to listen to. Oh, interesting. And I feel like I'm totally on the other end because I find it really hard to find podcasts that I like. Same. I don't have that many podcasts that I really like. So whenever there's a new episode, I feel like I super treasure it. So for yeah. me, like speeding it up, I'm like, no, that will like reduce the time I have like, <laughs> with this podcast. Like, no, we're not. Yes. I totally get that. Okay. So we have one more shout out. Eternal to- shout out to Jan. To Jan. <laughs> For yeah. mixing this this podcast, he's wearelisteners.com. Mm-hmm. Can highly recommend his work. Have also used him for the Buffer podcast. So yes. he's, he's great. Yes, he's very talented. This doesn't need to be included on the show, but for Hillary's wedding, she because she had a super small wedding, she mm-hmm. actually only had four tables. So she did all four Hogwarts houses. <gasps> and then she did her and Adrian at their own table as like, the, the head table, like the headmaster's table. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was at, I was at Ravenclaw, actually. Oh. Um, Gryffindor was a bunch of like young single people. Hufflepuff was like my dad and some of my sister's <laughs> friends. It was an interesting group. And then my sister, Hillary, put Adrian's family at Slytherin. That's bold. They didn't know what it meant. <laughs> but everyone <laughs> else hilarious. knew at the wedding. <laughs> so what is... Um- what is what is her house? Hillary's Gryffindor. Yeah, I actually see that. She's, she's extremely one of the extremely biased by the books. <laughs> I could see her being Ravenclaw also, but I'm never gonna say that to her. But I feel like okay, so this is definitely gonna get cut. I feel like, yeah. But um Well, when she found out I was Ravenclaw, she felt betrayed. Like that's how yeah. that went. Oh uh, yeah. But I can see how she's a Gryffindor. Because some people are a true Gryffindor. And I respect it's that. True. Like, it's true. I like. I know. I was making all the jokes about like maybe. See, now I'm seeing everything in the context of Slytherin. Maybe I'm like mean and making fun of people who want to be oh, Gryffindor. No. Um, but I just, <laughs> I just don't think it's very considered to be like oh, I'm Gryffindor by default. Um, but some people are yeah. true Gryffindors. I I totally respect that. It's true. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I just thought it was. I just will laugh forever that she put Adrian's family at Slytherin and they didn't know. That's actually really funny. <laughs> uh, okay it's amazing 